Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com Welcome to Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we will be discussing season two of Stranger Things. Damask, how are you going? Look, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good after watching season two of Stranger Things. It felt like a, a long wait. It, a long wait. It's mm. been a little while since we recorded an episode, actually. Longer yeah. than normal. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Indeed. Things beyond our control. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're back. Uh, bring it to you as soon as we can. Um, let's get straight into it then. Let's not leave anyone waiting. I've got a lot to talk about, so I think we'll just get this moving because yeah, it's going to be better it. for us. Spoiler warning, as always, on this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one and two of Stranger Things. Before listening, we recommend watching all of Stranger Things thus far. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Some facts and figures. Building on the wave of acclaim from 2015, Stranger Things 2, as noted by the slightly altered opening title sequence, takes us back to Hawkins, Indiana, nearly a year after the events of the first season. The core cast of season one returns with new additions, Sadie Sink, Decree Montgomery, I think that's how you say that name, D-A-C-R-E, and Paul Reiser, or Riser, and the eternally overlooked and underappreciated Sean Astin as Bob Newby. Mm. Also noteworthy is the inclusion of Andrew Stanton, a notable member of the Pixar Brain Trust and director of Finding Nemo and Wally, who steps in to direct two episodes. Did I you know didn't that? know that. There you no, go. That's amazing. Season two consists of nine episodes, each coming in around 51 minutes and took us approximately seven hours and 40 minutes to watch. I didn't know that either until the name Andrew Stanton came up. I was like, what? And oh yeah, of course I'm, you would recognise I'm a massive, that. massive yeah. Pixar nerd. You went like, on oh a game God. show for Pixar. I did. Facts, I went you? on an Australian quiz show <laughs> and uh, you had to have a special subject and mine was Pixar from 995 to whatever the year was at the time of me doing it. I think it was the first 10 movies. I think it was up to about Cars. Right. Um, or maybe even Toy Story 3. And um, I actually did really well in my, spe- in my special subject. Mm-hmm. I couldn't spell 40 um, when asked to. As in, they literally oh, was a question, oh. multiple choice question. You had like five seconds on a timer and you had to choose the option. I chose the one with the U in it. Oh, you Like idiot. a fucking moron. Oh, um, shame, so shame. Spelling is not my strong suit. Anyone who knows me knows that. But Pixar, know far too much about it. Uh, How do you d- spell Pixar? P-I-X-E. Oh, no, I'm joking. Um... <laughs> Have you got a story synopsis for us, Damask? I do indeed, Excellent. yes. I have actually done one this week. Beautiful. Take it away. All right. So for those who don't know, 
These can get kind of long. So if you already know... But they're this- also highly entertaining. <laughs> so keep listening because they're great. All right. But Stop if- <laughs> selling yourself short, Damas. They're awesome. Okay. But if you don't want to, just skip ahead. That's just fine. listen. They're great. They're really okay. good. All right. Here we go. Stranger Things Season 2 Rundown. The bank robbing crew from Point Break are in a car chase with the police. They've been up to no good and the heat is on. But don't worry because one of them is super special like Eleven and she uses some Jedi mind tricks to get them out of a tough situation. Who is this girl? Who are her friends? And what are they up to? Lots of questions are raised and by the end of this season we'll still have questions and yet have even less interest in any of these people. Moving on, the Kidly Winks, Mike, Will, Dustin and Lucas are playing video games, but they have to scrounge for coins and leave their houses to do so, which seems archaic or archaic. Oh! Hey! I, I did write um, in brackets, pause for laughter, and you, you really met me there, so that was great. That's fine. I, was, I mean, I, like, my brain exploded with yeah, that your beautiful eyes part. Lit up. I, yeah. I saw it coming. I was like, oh my God, we're going there. All right. It's discovered, however, that a new kid is in town and destroyed all of their high scores. Some kid called Max, who also has a vagina. It's truly shocking to not only the characters, but the viewers at home. Lucas and Dustin immediately get a hard-on for this girl, but Mike is strictly a one-woman man and besmirches Max's name by spreading a nasty rumour that she has terminal cooties and must be avoided at all costs. Will doesn't even notice the presence of a new kid on the scene, though, because he's too busy outside staring at a giant hell-beast shadow squid that wants to consume the whole world in darkness. Uh Uh-oh. Chief Hopper is called out on a very important case. All the town's pumpkins have been destroyed by a plague of mould. Old MacDonald thinks it's the guy down the road, but Hopper probably thinks it's caused by the Creep Factory, a.k.a. Hawkins Lab. Speaking of, that's under new management. A very nice dude by the name of Dr Owens is running the joint. He's got a great bedside manner and reassures the beloved Joyce that her son's little brain vacations into the hellscape of the Upside Down are just PTSD episodes. Nothing to worry about there. Joyce isn't overly convinced, but her sexy new beau, Bob the Brain, gives her some smooches and tells her everything is going to be okay. I really like that guy. I hope nothing bad happens to him. Nancy and Steve are off having the most depressing dinner since the Last Supper. Seriously, imagine being the disciples and ordering hors d'oeuvres while JC goes on and on about his upcoming crucifixion. Yikes. Anyway, Barb's parents are yammering on about hiring a PI who will uncover the truth about their daughter's disappearance. Nancy, who is very upset by this, goes and cries in the bathroom, which is inappropriately adorned with 152 pictures of Barb. Do they really like to stare into their dead daughter's eyes while they take a shit? Like, what's, what is going on there? Anyway, I don't want to judge. After a long day of hunting down potential pumpkin murderers, Hopper heads home where a familiar face is waiting for him. Eleven is there, ready to have dinner with her new papa. She's managed to escape from the Upside Down, how you ask? It's a great question, and one that has a very easy and anticlimactic answer. She just, like, walked out of it. That, that's it. So, after that, she wandered around for a while because the bad dudes were still hot on her tail and she spent her days in the woods roasting squirrels and murdering farmers for their clothing. That is until Hopper figures out that she's living out there and lures her with an ego trap. Ever since then, she's been spending her days on the couch watching daytime TV, which sounds pretty boring considering this takes place in a time pre-Oprah Winfrey. She's obviously bored and wants to go out and see the world. But Hopper, or Papa, tells her to stay inside. 
And because this is 1984 and he's never seen Aladdin or The Lion King or The Little Mermaid, he doesn't realise that telling a kid not to leave the boundaries of their home is a terrible idea. So, of course Eleven eventually ventures off when she finds a box of clues that will lead her to her mother, the catatonic woman we met in season one. Back to the four boys, plus the new girl Max, they're all out having a great time trick-or-treating, minus Will, of course, who is a little distracted by his upside-down PTSD attacks. On his way home, Dustin comes upon a new friend, a weird little slug creature that he names D'Artagnan. Very cute. Dustin introduces his cool new discovery to his friends, but they're less enthused, and Will suspects it's the same creature he barfed up last season. But love is blind, and Dustin refuses to see the truth until it's too late, and he catches Dart feasting on the family cat. R.I.P. Muse. Steve and Nancy are at a party and they have the usual fight where one of them gets too drunk and admits the love just isn't there anymore. Nancy figures that she can just play the I don't remember card and all will be forgotten. It worked for me in high school, but sadly Nancy isn't so lucky. Steve's big heart has been smashed into a million pieces. He wanted to get through the trauma of losing Barb and killing Hellbeasts together, but Nancy wants to see the world burn. Go find someone that deserves you, Steve, because Nancy ain't her. Instead, she runs into the arms of Jonathan, who is more than willing, and they are determined to expose the truth of Hawkins' lab and to put an end to their reign of terror and allow Barb's parents to know the truth. It's a noble cause, I guess. I just wish I cared. These horny teenagers stop giving each other goo-goo eyes long enough to figure out a plan. They manage to record Dr. Owen saying some vaguely incriminating stuff and then head over to the den of the PI. They tell him, devise a way to reveal the information to the public that everyone can swallow, and then the PI creepily encourages a couple of teenagers to get drunk and fuck in his bedroom. Yeah, I hate it to break it to you guys, but there is definitely a hidden camera in that room and your sweet and awkward lovemaking will be bringing this guy pleasure for years to come. Gross. Hopper starts digging around the pumpkin fields to discover a labyrinth of the stuff running beneath the town. Little does he know that the hole closes up behind him and he'll soon be trapped and poisoned down there. Poor Joyce is at home with Will, who after trying to valiantly stand up to the devil itself, has now caught the worst flu ever. He's possessed by some sort of evil bacteria that makes you forget your bum and hate taking hot baths. I'd rather be dead than live that fate. But this also gives him some cool skills where he can frantically draw 500 pictures in a span of about 15 minutes. It all seems like the work of a madman until the great Bob figures out it's a map of Hawkins. And so Joyce, Will, Mike and Bob follow this map to Hopper just in the nick of time. They're all safe and the dudes from Hawkins Lab swoop in and give them all a very thorough checkup. Hopper seems to be doing okay and Dr Owens shows him the extent of the infection, not only of the town but also of Will's brain. It seems Will and the cross-dimensional baddie are psychically linked. Perhaps this can be used to spy on the creature. While everyone's having a pretty bad time of it, Dustin has lured his pet into the cellar and desperately tries to call his mates for some assistance. No one's home though, except for Steve of course, because, you know, he's alone now. And he's bringing his trusty friend, Mr. Bat Nailsworthy. When Steve ventures down to the cellar to bludgeon Dart, all he finds is an empty room and a big demogorgon-sized hole. Looks like they're going hunting. The two adorable fellas bond over lust and locks. It's very cute and desperately needed at this point in the game. They devise a plan to trap the creature and they get the help of Lucas and his new girlfriend, Max. It doesn't all turn out great, though. 
Dart comes along to the junkyard, munching on the meat left for him, and Steve goes out to finish the job. But the kids notice that Dart has gone forth and multiplied that dirty slut and has a whole bunch of family with him. Just when things look dire for Stevie Boy, the demi-dogs run away. But why? Well, it turns out that back at Hawkins' lab, Will has been able to discover a sensitive part of the upside-down vines, and so our heroes send a bunch of soldiers down there to sort it out. But psych! Will's really a spy for the baddies, and it's a trap. And that's exactly where all the demi-dogs have run to when they turn those soldiers into mincemeat. Everyone freaks the fuck out because they are no match for a whole bunch of flower-faced super creatures, so they run and hide. Jonathan and Nancy have collided with Steve at this point and his new crew, and they all head in the direction of the lab. Inside the lab, they all scramble to figure a way out of there. They need to turn the lights on, and Bob is the only dude to do it. It pays off being a virgin in high school sometimes. Instead of going out and getting laid, Bob was at home learning how to be a coder and, I guess, a sacrificial lamb. Oops, did I spoil that? Yeah, that's right. In order for everyone to escape, poor Bob is killed. And I cried. I cried a lot. I mean, how did this happen? Where did I begin to care so much about Bob? Why have they done this? I feel so alone. But there's no time to dwell on it, sadly. The whole gang is reunited at the gates of the lab and they have to head back to the buyer's crib with the demi-dogs right on their tail. Once they arrive, they prepare for battle. And it's at this point where you ask yourself, and we're all asking ourselves this, where the fuck is Eleven? You've asked another great question there. So um, she went to see her mum and her aunt. She rocks up at the house, tells her aunt to shut the hell up while her and mum are bond. Eleven figures out there's another talented kid out there that she might enjoy spending some quality time with, so she robs her aunt and fucks off again. She heads to the big city, finds her sister. They hang out. It could be cool. It isn't. It really, really isn't. And this chick has a real Magneto vibe, but like if Magneto existed in the Hannah Montana universe, uh, she wants to get revenge on all the terrible people that treat them both like guinea pigs. Once again, I get it could sound cool. Um, and Eleven is totally into that idea. That is until one of the bad people turns out to have kids and Eleven is all like, yeah, nah, I'd rather hang out with Mike who very rarely makes me kill someone's dad. And they part ways. And wasn't that a fun interlude? Yeah, let's move on. So back to Hawkins, you know, where we want to be. Everyone is collectively shitting themselves. And just as the scent of human feces and fear is about to become completely overwhelming, Eleven bursts through the door to save the day. She's like, don't stress, dudes. I'm going to totally solve the interdimensional vaginal tear that is destroying the world. Everyone cheers and Hopper is a very proud dad. But they can't get rid of the creature while it still lives in Will. So Jonathan, Joyce and Nancy all decide to sauna him to death. Well, not to death, but that's kind of what's going on. It's harrowing stuff. And the kids plus Steve get bored, so they decide to set some of the tunnels on fire. And poor Steve gets beaten up by the bully Billy in the process. But who gives a fuck about that guy or anything he does? Uh, And Hopper takes Eleven to do what Michael Jackson always sought out to do, heal the world. And she does. Yay! And you know what else? Eleven gets to go to the snowball! That's right, she finally gets to go. And we get to see Dustin at his most beautiful. It's a wonderful experience for all. Once again, except for Steve, who's still crying and alone, despite the fact that he has somehow become my favourite person in this entire universe. The end. Well done. That was great. 
Thank you. Thank you. There so was much. a lot. There was a lot to get through there. We did, it, did an admirable job. Well yes, done. Yes. 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 All righty then. Let's keep moving. Uh, I don't know why I went Jim Carrey there. Um, <laughs> Uh, Jim Carrey, real topical reference. Not Drew Carey, Jim Carrey. That's right, good. Excellent. Um, All right, five-word summation. I've got one. I'll go first since you you just did it. Yeah, you just did a massive diatribe there. I'll go. (laughs) Uh, My five-word summation for this season, extra heart, hold the thrills. That's so funny. Yeah, why? You just like the pizza (laughs) reference? No, no, no. No, no, no. Go on. Ready for mine? Yeah. Where did the heart go? Oh, really? (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Ooh, maybe mm. we'll have something to disagree on. That's maybe, uh, maybe. that's kind of uh, enticing. All right. Now, I've got a trillion discussion points here. I ended up, thanks to the delay and the fact that everybody I know is watching this show, and I've got, I live with three other people who are all watching this show at different interludes. Mm. I have watched this show at least twice through, basically, oh, this I season. Oh, I have. Absolutely not. And the first time I watched it through... Might have been pretty intoxicated, so we're coming from different different places, and that's fine. Right? Okay. Um, so yeah, I feel like I've got I've I've yes a lot to go through. So you don't have that many notes? Is that what you're saying? Oh no, I've got notes. Okay, good, good, good. Um, a lot of them indecipherable, but okay. I've got. But I've got <laughs> I mean, somehow no, no. slurred even in the typing sense. Don't know how. That's right. Um, oh, d- that's very possible. It is. Yeah, there's a lot of random B's in words. Anyway. Okay, sure. Um, but no, no, I've got, I've got notes here. Okay, excellent. Um, but there's much. I'm just looking back on this, and as you've gone through the the synopsis, there, I kind of just want to start by actually talking about the plot. And sometimes I think. I get ahead of myself, especially when I want to talk about these things, about really talking about like the narrative mechanics and talking mm. about like the technique and stuff like that. And I do want to get to that stuff too, because that is interesting. But let's just talk about what season two, narratively where things go or story-wise, what happens. I think this that season. is a great idea because in, when in talking to people yeah. about this show, because um, whenever I go into work, people are like, what are you watching? And I tell them, and but this week they've been like, have you seen Stranger Things? Yeah. What do you think about it? Yeah. And mine has been, um, it feels unfocused because yep. I have a hard time putting all of the plot points together in my brain. Sure, sure. Um, and I would just tell them that the first season was so beautifully woven together and cohesive yep. and I did not get that impression with this. So I'm really looking forward to going over the plot with well, you. Well, let, let's do that. Let's just let's yep. just let's just talk about it. Um, try and sort of talk about what the story is generally here and what each character goes through. Goes through, and I'm sure we'll take little detours here and there as things come up that I mm-hmm. particularly want to discuss. And but we'll try to get back to that stuff later. Um, it's worth putting out there though that one of the things that they try and do this season, I think is A, to try and keep it fresh, they try and remix everything a little bit. We're getting different pairings or we're splitting the group up I love up when a again. show does that, by the way. I really? love it. Yeah. Okay, cool. I find it really reinvigorates it. Yeah. Well, it's it's important to do that because I think one of the... I, we, we talked last episode when we were talking about Stranger Things Season 1 that our we, just, we posited two scenarios, two um, concerns about where this might go this season. One was they'll try and remake season one. And mm. I can safely say that apart from, I think there are a few things that they're trying to recreate some of the magic from season one, but generally I think they've actually done a good job of pushing their narrative forward and changing things up a lot, um, which is good, which I think is a very, very good thing. Two, I positive scenario without, again, trying to avoid spoilers here, that this might do a bit of a Cora season two, mm. which without... Yeah, don't want to discuss that too much, but essentially it was a situation where season one was really good, self-contained, tight thing, and then there was this, okay, let's make three, uh, two, three, and four, and three had this job of sort of trying to, 
either re-deal with some stuff from the last season, undo some stuff that maybe it did last time, or go back to some points there, tie some stuff up, get it, and almost just try and have its own self-contained thing, but also make sure it was setting up for more stuff. Uh, Strange Things Season 1 didn't feel like it was... It, it has those little morsels, those breadcrumbs at the end of it that go, oh, maybe there isn't going to be a Season mm. 2, but nothing... You could have stopped it there, and we said this last time. Yeah, and I, was like, going, I oh, never that was, wanted more. That like, was satisfying. I was, I was totally happy with what we got. I, I was absolutely satisfied with what we got there. Whereas this one, you can actively see it looking to the future and going, we want to make sure we've got some stuff to talk about. We've got things that we're leaving whole plot threads like unresolved at all in no satisfying way, so we've got things to go next season. And that's problematic. It, 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 it just makes it very hard to compete with season Can one. Can you remind me what those well, points are? Because I don't let's see. We've got anything. 11 set up. We know that... Oh, because there's more of... That's the assumption there's more of those kids around. There's more of those kids around, but also that, that Papa, the... Uh, could be alive. Could be alive. Mm-hmm. There is... Uh, Billy is sort of brought in. We he's introduced. Yeah, Mm. he we get a moment to sort of learn a little bit about him, but he hasn't had any plot importance really at all yet. Um, The stuff with the investigator, while they did show that the Hawkins lab was gone down, I believe is probably leading into stuff for season two. Right, because it's the big law stuff they're trying to add in there. This is the stuff that like happens in your Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff where they throw in a Thanos thing or like or in the Avengers in Age of Ultron when Thor has his dreams about Thor Ragnarok which we get finally got to by the way in, in the cinematic universe Haven't but seen it yet. but um but the in the movie Age of Ultron is just complete detour for no fucking reason that just gets in the way and so you got all these little things that mean this isn't a focused succinct season of television as much as the first one was um and I think you can really feel that yeah um so it did that second scenario though I feel like is exactly what happened, personally. Mm. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. I digress. Let's talk about the storylines, and there are a lot. Um, let's just start with, for the sake of it, Nancy and Jonathan. <laughs> okay. Let's start with the one we're least interested I, in. I really didn't think you were going to start off with Yeah, that I didn't one. think so yeah. either, but I looked at my notes, and they were the two names that came up, so I guess we're starting there. Okay. They pair Nancy and Jonathan together again. We ended season one with Nancy. It's Nan- pairing everyone wanted, so I'm glad they did it. Nancy and Steve <laughs> together. Yeah. You got There's a lot of sass coming in this episode, I can tell. I just don't care oh. about them. I don't, uh, like, I think all my notes are like... Just Nancy Jonathan and a lot of Z's, and not because I fell sure. asleep on my keyboard. It's just because <laughs> it's boring. Yeah. Uh, so Nancy and Steve are still together a year later after the little sort of reveal we had at the end mm-hmm. of season one that they yep. were together and not Nancy and Jonathan. Fucking that lasts God bless you. about two episodes, yeah. and they have uh, a drunk, that awkward drunk conversation at a party, Nancy. Very, like, true-to-life high school. I'm drunk and I'm just like, you're bullshit, everything's bullshit. Are you being sarcastic or are you being serious? No, I'm being serious. I think the conversation is serious. I think that I'll... Her performance. Her performance is... Yeah, no, I agree. Her eyes, she's way too... She's not nearly drunk enough to be yeah. saying the stuff she's doing. Yeah. And then to be doing the whole... I mean, I like that she says, I don't remember, and he's like, bullshit. Yeah. And she's like, I can't look at you anymore. It really I'm- did work for me in high school, so if anyone wants to... <laughs> Use that technique. Yeah. Um, they essentially break up. Um, Nancy and Jonathan... Uh, Nancy's really motivated to try and get some justice for Barb. Um, I like that. Now, this bit I like. Yes. Right? So, A, I like that 
Barb isn't completely forgotten. That's nice. Yeah. Because you certainly got the feeling that, that was the case. And I like that she's not forgotten in the I really enjoy the scene of the dinner party yes. and we have Nancy remove herself and we actually see the weight of like the loss of Barb and the stress of knowing what happened. And yeah, we see like the actual situation she's in and it's like emotionally palpable. Yeah, like. that a year later mm. that she knows the truth, she can't say anything mm-hmm. for a lot of different reasons. That that scene with, with Barb's parents and they're talking about how they're selling the house to finance mm-hmm. an investigation that Nancy knows will not lead to anything yeah. or destroy them is very convincing and very good, uh, I think, um, narratively to... Motivate give, her. To motivate her mm. to actually do something totally. about that, I think is really, really clever. And I was yep. like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, when that was happening, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm, I really, I still trust these these people to, yeah, put together some really good stories. And yeah. I'm surprised that I, at that stage in the narrative, where that was something I wanted to bring up a bit later as well, this is a slow build of a season. It takes a long time, I think, for things to really happen. One yeah. of the things that the last season had is that within 10 or 15 minutes, we have a really compelling yeah. mystery with a lot the of thrust. The pacing in season one is incredibly, and it's, it's such a feat. It's bam, 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 until it ramps up to to this point, and then we get to the end of season one, and I think, I'm sure a lot of us binge season one before we watch season yes. two again, yes. and so that's our expectation. Yeah. And so we've we've gotten used to that pace, yeah. and then season two begins, and it's very different pacing. Yeah. And so, while we don't have a Will being, you know, mm. kidnapped or disappearing, and so you've got this police investigation yeah. and mystery after mystery, and Eleven shows up and blah, 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 blah. Instead, we've got these little character moments and it's a slow build up to something else. So, meanwhile, while that, we're going to get to those in a bit. But meanwhile, while that's happening, we do have Nancy and Jonathan doing some stuff, which is good. Um, so, Nancy, it's, well, I, I'm going to say it out right now, I did not see the recording thing happening. I know they mention going to yeah. uh, Radio Shack and we see her bring something home mm-hmm. and ma- the mum mentions, you know, oh, what what have you been shopping here? My Walkman broke, whatever. Yeah. Did not twig for a second that that's what they were going to do. I didn't see it coming either. Yep. So I like that part of it. I like the, the reveal. But at no point do I believe that an organisation like that would not be checking their bags or bodies. Now, like that makes no sense to me and I think that's dumb. Now, I agree with that. And that comes into another point I want to make later on down the track, which I think this some convenience starts mm, to take a bit of rot yes. in this season as well. Yep, yep, yep. In a couple rot, of places. Rot. There's rotting in the season as well, plot-wise. Good job. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> the uh, not as good as you won before. The not as good as the arcade one. That was. Uh, I mean, nothing's gonna be. <laughs> that, that was great. I really enjoyed. I can't that. aim for the stars every time. You know. Mm. <laughs> At least you'll land. Aim for the moon. You'll land in the stars. Is that the? I don't know. Um, is that on one of your throw pillows that you've got? That it's day? on a poster. It's a motivational right. poster okay. on the back of the toilet door. <laughs> the. What were we talking about? Yeah, so they do the recording. That reveal, and so they, so they subs- uh, on the surface, they're going to tell Barb's parents. They organise the thing mm. in the park. The uh, very um, suspicious people come from the lab and take them and talk to them about why they can't say anything, why they're covering up Barb's death. They've recorded the entire time, and they we see them leaving Hawkins. And I was like, at that point, I was going, holy shit, Nancy and Jonathan 
are interesting and proactive. And I'm really happy with that plot line where it's going because I didn't think there was anything that was going to make me care about them. And you got your wish. They left town for a while. You were <laughs> after that last season, so that's I nice. I really was. Yeah, that's true. Oh, maybe they but say maybe they listened to the podcast a and little, did it for me, but that I doesn't make sense. I doubt they made those sort of creative decisions that late in the process. You never know, you though. Never I know. like to think that they yeah, did. Who knows? Um, and you're welcome, <laughs> viewers. Um, they finally do. They leave. Yeah. They go track down this investigator. They give this tape to him. He talks about the practicality of why no one will believe this. I think that's a pretty good scene. I think that that character is interesting. I think he's well performed. I think I he's, don't like the character though. Yeah, it's interesting. In everything I read, people were praising his performance and really no. like enjoyed that particular point where the kids are um, at his house and they're yeah talking about how really logically how you could kind of put out that information that is so unbelievable. Yeah, I like that. Um, that character though, I find. Um, distractingly absurd. He reminds me of I don't know the character's name, but there's that agent guy from the Transformers movies. Um, oh, I don't know what you're talking. Yeah, about. anyway, he's just sort of a little too over the top, yeah. and like, I, I can, I think. It, I can see why it wouldn't be everybody's taste, but I sort of liked right. him. I, I mean, oh, I, I just doing. assumed he was a reference to a certain type of character from films of 80s films. I think it's, like, it's general conspiracy I, theorists sort yeah. of nut types. Although he was interestingly a little more Cajun, a little more coherent than some of those people tend to be in movies, I thought. I feel like those people don't... Their unwillingness to compromise is what defines them as being... Or allows people to just... Push them, them aside, aside as yeah. being crazy, yeah. whereas this guy was not like that at all. But that's also why I found it interesting that while he comes in the first episode and he's talking to Hopper and Hoppy's trying to like just keep him off the trail, basically, mm. a lot of people seem to actually think this guy knows what he's doing. And as eccentric-ish as he kind of is, he also is a is fairly well put together. He does understand that while I believe this crazy story of yours, no one else is going to, and this is how we actually have to do this. I, have I kind th- of wish they'd done like a different like costume choice for him. Yes, I agree. Like that, I find bit, that really disturbing. He's uh, uh, one, I think mm. the bridge too far for me. Sorry, I keep talking over you. The um, he's little flip flops. He sort of like flip flops around his house with mm. his thongs on. Thongs is the Australian term for flip flops, by the way. If you're not, mm. he's not, not referring to the underwear. I'm not talking about the underwear. Um, I think is that that's the step too far. There's little bits like him needing to have a drink or put on the record and stuff. And I quite like the way that's handled. Yeah. Um, but the flip-flops, the For way he sort of shuffles the, through is too much. the robe, that robe that the just robe says too. sleeves. Yeah. And that's yeah. the funny thing. I doubt that was his choice. No. Do you know, those things are probably choices made by directors, yeah. not by the actor. Not necessarily. Actors do get a chance to say in their costume sometimes. Mm. But that to me was... Yeah. I think his performance is more subtle than that costume is, Agreed. if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, anyway, I was kind of on board for that. I have a theory about that guy. Um, this is a little bit sidetracked. The actor or the character? The character. Ooh. I think he might actually be a Russian agent. Um, I think <gasps> That's he- That's awesome! I think that Ooh. he is- the. I think that the, the clue is in the vodka, right? Yeah. That- for someone who doesn't seem to like vodka, he has an awful lot of it. That vodka is, it's the same vodka. It was a reference. I read it somewhere, but I can't remember what the reference It wasn't for Twin it. Peaks or something, was it? Or? No, 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 no. Don't know no, what it was either. Sorry. Um, think of it, bring it back up. But the, I don't know. 
wild theory, but I could see a season three where Russia is replicating what happened in Hawkins. And the yeah. reason they know about it is because this guy knows about it. Because he's been given this information directly. And in shutting down this Hawkins lab, he is basically shutting down the American competition. It's a two birds with one stone and he's going to give the information to the Russians, which we know is a big that. concern. I love it and totally do not see it coming. Yeah. I love it. I don't know if it's true. I know, it's but I've... my theory. Yeah, I hope that's true. Um, it also makes sense why he's so shifty about don't come and find me again. Um, it, it, I think that bit at the end, I was expecting not to see him again. When you see him in the last episode sort of waving the soldiers out, mm. I was sort of like, mm, that gets in the way of my theory a little bit because he's being a little too overt, but maybe he's feeling pretty you know, chuffed with himself and a bit larger than life. I don't know. Anyway, I still think it's a possibility and would be a cool way to shift in and would give Nancy and Jonathan some guilt as well going to next season yeah. and that would be cool. Yeah, no, I love that. Cool. Anyway, I hope that's true. Anyway, from there though, the problem with Nancy and Jonathan is they've got nothing left to do. <laughs> Once that happens, yeah, they head back true. home, no one's there, they go and find them at the lab and they sort of just jump onto Will and uh, Joyce's storyline. That's the end of, that's it. Mm. That's their storyline. Steve, on the other hand, <gasps> Steve. Yeah. Once breaking up with Nancy. Uh, Good for you, Steve. On his way to Have some self-respect. Try and get her heart back is teamed up with Dustin in what I think is probably the most enjoyable part of the entire season. Agreed. I uh, think most people would agree with that, yeah. Uh, we talked about last season how Stephen was good because he wasn't a two-dimensional sort of... Oh, Jock yeah. Sorry, yep. Yes. Sorry, I just looked up the vodka. Yes, please. It's Slotichnia. Um, yep. It's the same vodka used in Minority Report. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know what that means, but there you go. In Minority Report. Have you seen Minority Report? No, I haven't. Really? No, it's no. a good movie. Uh, it's Tom Cruise, but it's a very good... <laughs> it's a Steven Spielberg Tom Cruise film. Yeah. And it's great, actually. I really enjoy it. Okay. I wonder if there's a clue in there, too. There are... Mm, interesting. It's definitely there's a lot of sort of subterfuge and yeah. governmental. I know the basic things going yeah. on. There, the, the, there's the basics in terms of it, like being about precognition and trying mm. to stop crime before it happens. But then there's the actual the, like conspiracy really behind is. it, yeah, which okay. is really really great. Um, okay, interesting, cool, mm. good to know. Um, anyway, moving on, what we're talking about, Dustin and Steve. Yeah, so Steve, we talked about was. Not a two-dimensional character last season, which was good. And they seemed... I think they must have recognised that Steve was quite a popular character after the end of season one. People responded to well, that Well, even in possibly. season one, apparently, um, Steve was just meant to be kind of that normal asshole character that we see in 80s films, but the Duffer brothers liked the actor so much and what he really? was doing that they... Yeah. Yeah. Well, filled it out a little bit. That's so. cool. Well, I'm glad they did because I think that while... I don't know. I wouldn't say Steve has a lot to do. The, what they let him do, what they attach him to, is really mm-hmm. enjoyable. And yeah. just sort of being like, it, L- Liam, my brother, who's been on the show before, was saying when he was watching it, this is like, imagine if we got to see more Freaks and Geeks where um, James Franco's character D&D. got. Yeah, yeah. What? It's like, this is like Freaks and Geeks season two. That's, if yeah, if James Franco got point. to stick around with the nerds for a while, yeah. he gets to hang around with the kids. And just be sort of the ba- ba- baby, mm. the babysitter for yeah. them. I, yeah, I loved the Dustin and Steve stuff. Um, but I think not only because the, the dynamic between both the characters and the actors is obviously fantastic, but also because before that happening, I was really kind of 
shockingly disinterested in what was happening with Dustin. Yeah, sure. I was, because obviously, you know, I get the references and stuff, but I was like, this is not the Dustin that I know and love. I'm like, where is the the intelligent sage who is wise and cautious mm-hmm. somehow is disregarding all the dangers in front of him and is accepting this weird creature that is clearly from a different realm. It's growing at a rate that is not normal. And even when his friends point that out to him, continues to keep the creature around. Um, yeah. It's like, I don't know this. I don't like this Dustin um, as much or even think that he really fits with the Dustin that we know from season one. Um, so that was a little worrying to me because I love Dustin. Um, so then to see his, to see the beginnings of that story be, transform into him being able to hang out with Steve, mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, thank goodness. At least it's going somewhere that I can enjoy. Well, it's basically at that point that his story, he starts to... He just, yeah, abandons some of that the problems you have there because mm. he's no longer trying to protect Dart. Yeah. He's actively aware that he needs to deal it's with Dart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, um, yeah. I, well, let's, we may as well do that because Steve's storyline is really just him being attached to the kids and just sort of just showing you know, that he's a being, hero a yeah, little bit. Yeah, being protective but and... Just yeah. continuing to show he's a good guy and I look forward to spending more time with Steve. Me too. It's good that Steve... Is recognised as being a good part of the show, and that's mm. cool. I mean, I think the highlight. Oh, he does of have this the thing season, with Billy at the end as well. Yeah, the highlight of this season for me truly is that scene walking along the the tracks is yes. Dustin and Steve yes. talking about hair for numerous and reasons. Girls. The it's just a greatly written scene, mm-hmm. greatly performed. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of chemistry. They are both really enjoyable actors to watch. And not only that, for a, such a simple scene, it's actually quite beautifully shot. Yeah. There's this one shot. I was watching again, watching this the second time around with Liam. And it's just a wide angle shot. It's not moving at all. And it's the beautiful like fall leaves and the train tracks and these two boys walking down it. Very Stand By Me. Mm. Not that I've seen that movie. And mm. I was like, that is gorgeous. Like, just beautiful. Yeah. It's the, because we've recently been watching season two of Master of None. It's the classic set up your shot and just have the characters walk through the scene. And just like, let's just sit and watch them for a bit. And yes. you don't have to cut away or yes. anything. It's just simple and beautiful. Well, let's let's loop back to the start of the Dustin storyline there. So Dustin sorry, sorry, Dustin's with the boys, Will's back in the group. Uh mm-hmm. they're not playing D D this time, they're playing Dragon's Lair, they're at the arcade. Um basically Mike's pining over eleven, um, because mm-hmm. he's missing her. Um, Will is dealing with sort of the PDS, PTSD of uh, his time in the upside, upside down. down from last season. And Dustin and Lucas start having a little tiff or a competition over Max, basically, the new girl on the block. Yeah. Uh, which, this is, this is, when I talk about it being a slow start to the season, this is basically it. There is, they've got nothing else to do except introduce another girl character... And I, Max is a good character. I have no problems with Max. But what they have for her to do is just be a dividing force. I have no opinion between of Max. Luke. Max is nothing. Lucas, just yeah. so we're clear, Max is absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, between Lucas and uh, between Lucas and Dustin, Dustin also. Well, Lucas is, ends up being the one that sort of has his connection to Max, and Luke. So that was Lucas there, and Dustin finds Dart. Also, <laughs> super convenient. Poor Dustin. Dustin. When I talk about convenience starts to take rot, another good example of that is 
the one person in Hawkins who happens to find Dart happens to be somebody who already knows about the Upside Down. Yeah. This is where, where in season one, it seemed like it, this could happen to anybody. It happens. It affects Barb. It affects hunters that we haven't met. Mm-hmm. We just know that they get taken by the Demogorgon. There's this general feeling that something's going on, and that that and it the the town seems to be have a bigger, be more impacted by what's going on. In this one, somehow this whole thing that's encompassing the town is underneath the town. Yes, the farmers' crops are getting affected by it, but it just feels like it's mainly affecting our core players. It's, yeah, it's very only con- those people. Very involved. convenient that it's them and no one else is really being sucked into this at all. Um, that that sort of that's. Yeah, I find that a little convenient is the word that, that comes to mind straight away. And D- the Dustin finding well, uh, yeah. Dart is the obvious well, example Yeah, that's of that. the obvious example because other than – because the, the rot is beneath the town. Yes. But an actual, like, threat of, like, th- people being attacked or there's – a clear villain or there's a creature that's coming to kill you isn't there to really attack people. There is nothing that for the people to be worried about. Well well, there's the demidogs. There are But that's much se- later in the season. But still there are several of these creatures. Dart is one of them. And you said I think in your synopsis. But doesn't this take place like the last like few episodes over like, I don't know, twelve hours or something it feels like? Sure. But I think you suggest in the synopsis that Dart multiplied, whereas I don't know whether you meant that specifically. That no, he- I, I was just making a little dumb joke. Yeah, right. Because it to me those all grew separately. Mm. So there's these demi dogs which are attacking people, but they only have attacked and have grown around Hawkins, feeding on dumpster trash and stuff, and cats. theoretically, and cats, mm. and yet the only people that seem to know anything about them are our core cast. It's those sorts of things. Yeah. And while it's not the Demogorgon, and it's not quite as threatening as that, you'd still feel like people would... There, there should well, be they're more, baby Demogorgon There should be too. talk of, like, coyotes or something like that, or, like, you know, wolves or wild dogs or something like that. Something to suggest that the, the town is sort of... Some stuff's happening. Yes, they can reason with it and say it's just something benign or or boring but um it just i don't know it just feels so yeah i think in in creating the or kind of expanding the world of this upside down and these these creatures and like how big that danger is Mm. of like you know like it, it growing out it in that world building we make the actual world the reality earth town of Hawkins feel much smaller. Yes, this is yeah. it. That's exactly it. And the, I don't think we've got many... We don't really have those scenes like... Um, we do go back to a few of our characters, We like our side characters. We do see a little bit of the Hawkins Police Department. We do meet a lot of the families of our core cast, mm-hmm. which we didn't last time. Lucas and Dustin's Love in particular. Dustin's mum. Yep. Dustin's the guard from, from Orange. Orange of the New Black. Yeah. Yep, she's great. Um, I like Dustin's family as well. I like his sister. Uh, Dustin's sister. No, sorry, Lucas's oh. sister. Um, uh, she's a little too um, classic, sassy. precocious kid <laughs> in a film. Yeah. I also like the little kid, uh, the little one that's just cowboy. A cowboy. Yeah, yeah. Bang, bang, you're dead. <laughs> and he just like looks looks under the into the sky, starts shooting yeah. his gun, and total glee in his face. Yeah. <laughs> it's adorable. And then the Hopper offers him five dollars for his candy. What a 
cheap ass. It's the eighties. I think that's quite a lot. Oh, for that's child. true. Good point. I keep forgetting that. I wouldn't. No, nothing here would make me think it's the eighties. Yeah, no, that's really real subtle, it's the eighties. Yeah, 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 real subtle yeah. about it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the so, but the thing is, so we do see the librarian for a moment, but like, I, I felt in the first one you got Joyce like talking to her boss at, and like getting the lights and stuff like that and the phone and those sorts of things. And you feel the frustration of I I know the truth, I know something's going on and the people around me don't. The, and that, right. and we see how that isolates our main players and that as great, opposed to a feeling of them isolating themselves from the rest of the world. There's great scene where Jonathan and Joyce are in the street mm-hmm. and he's saying, come to the funeral. Yeah. And you see other people. Yeah. In Hawkins, just staring, just aware of what's going on, while they just think Joyce is crazy. Yeah, um, basically like a family falling apart after the death of a son. Yeah, yeah. Hawkins felt more like a place, mm-hmm. had more sense. We've talked about this with Louis before, a sense of place, and how that one, that season four, wherever it was, ha- had that feeling to it for the first time. It's like and you, it lost a sense of place. Us as viewers could move around in it, like we could yeah. feel like we know where we are and we know the people around us, exactly, um, or at least the type of people around us. But we don't get a sense of that in this season. Not at all. Whatsoever. We we lost that this season, I think. Um, we've can't go off track a little bit. So the boys. So Max is introduced. Sense of tension there between Lucas and Dustin. Dustin finds Dart. You're right. So Dustin is being. I kind of understand the reflex to make Dustin care about Dart, a boy and his dog sort of scenario, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, a, another classic '80s type trope as well. But what's difficult about it in this scenario? Um, is that it happened so quickly. And for him to be so attached Mm -hmm. so quickly seems really bizarre. Yeah. I think because Stranger Things has been this homage to the 80s and and that that aspect of it has been so celebrated, Mm. I think in order for them to include those tropes, like we have, you know, the the E.T. thing going on with Dustin and Dart or whatever – yeah. Yeah. Instead of, instead of furthering the inner lives of these characters to get to know them more, like we know that Dustin is like the wise sage, but also people don't really take him seriously because he's, you know, a super dork. Um, instead of like furthering getting him to know more on that level, we shoehorn in this trope, this thing we've seen before for him to do, for for him to have something to do, which doesn't necessarily allows to learn more about him as a person. It's not just for him to have something to do. It's for some, the plot to have something to do because mm. the plot is not going anywhere at this point. Mm-hmm. There are these little breadcrumb mysteries, but there's no thrust. There's no one chasing these things down. It's just sort of happening to them. And so the plot has to find a way to keep this dart thing around. And just in you saying the E.T. thing, though, I think there might have been a way to make this work and actually have some character tension if you just made Dustin feel like like he was missing out on something that Mike had or something like that. They yeah, it's kept... like, well, you had 11 and we knew she was dangerous. Exactly Why can't right. I have him? Where is that discussion yeah. where Mike's saying, get rid of it? And he's saying, screw you. We kept 11 around when yeah. we knew she was dangerous. Mm-hmm. And like feeling like he was being treated unfairly, that scene never happens. Yep. And that would have made it make a little bit more sense. Because mm. you're right, he and is And you have that stage. beautiful poignant moment of Mike being like, yeah, she was dangerous. And like awful things happen and now like I'm suffering I'm telling you like uh, like out of love don't do this and I would have given Mike something to do because Mike had nothing to do all season he is completely sidelined just sitting there being a good friend to Will 
uh, which I, I liked. really enjoy those moments where it's like, you know, we can go crazy together and he's yep. he's the one who I like when he's with Will and helping Joyce out and jo- mm-hmm. we see Joyce trust him because obviously he understands and, she, you know, she's grown up with them and, and knows their friendship. I, I do like that dynamic. Yeah, I do too. Um, but yeah, yeah, it just a waste opportunity there, I think. And yeah, what it does do is that Dustin was the sage of the first season. And listen, not like he can't be flawless. He needs no, to have some flaws. Not. He's, he's but a it kid. <laughs> does seem a, it didn't go far enough to explain why he would be so illogical mm-hmm. um, in the way that he was. It was he was there entertaining. Like they, I think part of it, it's similar with Steve, is they knew that Dustin was. A, one of the favourite parts of season one and tried to give him more stuff to do. And in doing so, I've sort of, yeah. I, I don't know. That, yeah. Could you have given it to Mike? It would have made more sense if he held on to it because it was sort of like an 11. A part of her world. A part of her world or just because he, like he was doing for this thing what he did for 11. He remembers that 11 was misunderstood and he was the one that stood by her and maybe this is just the same scenario again. Mm. And my, I mean, it would have meant Dustin was like, I'm glad they moved the storyline away from Mike and let someone else have the spotlight, but it just would have made more sense if it was someone else. Anyway. Yeah, or I just I just think there's a a better way to do it, to, to recognise who we know Dustin to be yeah. within him finding Dart and having a relationship. It, it definitely... I'm glad it wasn't Lucas, though, because it couldn't have been Lucas because Lucas is the age-old cynic. He's the naysayer. Yeah. yeah. Did you like... With Lucas, though, while his main storyline was just him basically getting together with Max, really, he wasn't as much of a naysayer this season. He was a little more positive and... Um, no, he wasn't a naysayer, but his story was nothing. Hmm. Yep. Absolutely. It's like they still didn't have it, anything for him to do. Yeah. At all. So... This leads us back to, I think, but there's still two other storylines that are going on here, but they do sort of work in parallel a little bit, which are really the main plots. You've got Will and Joyce. Um, Will, who was basically a damsel in distress last season and a plot point and had no character really to explore, gets a lot to do this season. Mm-hmm. I can happily say that they did okay when they cast Will because he was asked to do a lot and did a very good job. They did okay. They did incredibly well. Yeah, this yeah. kid is a goddamn star. I was really worried because he, he didn't have anything to do. so good. So good. He is like, he blew my goddamn head off. He yeah. was incredible. Like, standing ovation to that kid. Because when the season started, I was just watching in my episode one notes. I'm like, did they cast him? Because he like kind of is reminiscent of a young Elijah Wood who was like making like, movies when he was yeah, a little yeah. I'm like, what if that is? I'm like, oh, you know, I hope they didn't just purely go by visuals. Yeah. No, this no. kid is really, really good. Kid is really, really good. good. <laughs> yeah. He gets asked He's, to do a yeah, lot of like stuff. Yeah, like you feel it. It's just, and the crying and the, oh my God. And the scream, there's the bit at the end of episode four or five, actually, the end of episode five, the Dig mm. Dug episode, where mm. he's just reading on the ground screaming. It's and terrifying. like the scream's not his, but having him doing that, like that. Um, the fit. The he's having fit a fit. It's fucking horrific to watch. The, uh, that's like, almost exactly what I wrote. I'm like, this is incredibly hard to watch. Oh my God. Mm. It just looks awful. And mm-hmm. he is really, really into Like that. you can feel, almost feel like what he's going to feel like the next day where his, all of his muscles are just yeah. on fire. Yeah. And then he has like, even the next bit where he's in the hospital at the start of the next episode and they're asking him what hurts. And he says everywhere. And like, I believe you, you look like you are hurting. Like mm-hmm. you're really in pain. He's just, his dread, the 
the crying and the fear when yeah, he's the even quiet those moments. Of him and him and Mike have some great ones where he's trying to fearful explore. and vulnerable oh. and confused, like he's a little boy trying to figure it out, and he's completely alone. But he's also trying to express it because he knows it's not healthy to keep it all inside, and it's too much. Um, yeah, just the this huge amount of vulnerability in him that he's mm. able to show is yeah great. Um, and then like the, the, just the bits where they try and sort of turn him a little bit when he's sort of becoming the spy a bit more and either blank expressions or when he doesn't remember people, it just, it's just convincing. He's very good. He likes it cold. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, creepy. Yeah. Creep, creep, absolutely. Creep, mm. Uh, also I didn't recognize this as much in the first season. He looks so much like Winona Ryder. Yeah, it's so I, I, crazy. I did notice that in season one. Holy yeah. shit. Because I noticed like both Jonathan and Will have those like really dark, almost black eyes that we're known yeah. to have. But in like the nose and even like the face structure, he's very much like Winona. There are, there are, there are some shots I'm like, are you her kid? Because <laughs> so often TV thing, it's like, oh, I see why you cast them as mm. mother and Son and mother and son or whatever. But no, this one was like, holy shit. Well, yes. Yeah, well done. Thumbs up. That mm-hmm. was very good casting. Actually, mm-hmm. Netflix have been good at this. We've talked in the past about younger versions of characters on Orange is the New Black yeah. and how they cast them well. Yeah. Um, For the most part, yeah. And while he's not a younger version of a writer, you can really see the resemblance. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, oh, I've lost track here a little bit. Uh, so talking about like, the Will and Joyce. Yeah. So that's basically, so it starts with like, Joyce being the overprotective mother, mm. um, which is understandable and turns out to be right. Uh, she was right to be over. <laughs> right on the money there, well, Joyce. Well done. Yeah, well done. Um, uh, I, okay. You know how I said last season people were, some people thought that Winona Ryder's um, acting was all over the top in mm-hmm. season one? I listened, I realized who these people are because they've come up again saying, giving, they really didn't like season two and. I think there's a lot of reasons. There are a lot of problems with season two, but I liked it more than they did. And they brought that up again about her overacting in season one. I was just like, and they were saying, oh, this is so much better. She's so much like more toned down. I was like, fuck you, man. Hey, you're so wrong about season one. It really pissed me <laughs> yeah. off when I heard it for the second time. Yep. I've had a couple of people reiterate that point to me. They have come around now? Yeah. Oh, oh. no, 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 no. They haven't come around. They've just no, reiterated that point. Yeah. And I've just been like, I'm not having the conversation with you because you're wrong. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but I'm not. She... Yeah. She definitely is toned down in this season in some ways, mainly because Joyce doesn't have as... It's mainly because Joyce is around Will and she's not going to be hysterical around him because that's just going to make him panic. She's trying to be the stable one in the house. She's also still great. Amazing. I love, love Joyce Byers so much. Like, love her. I love Joyce as well. I wish... Because, okay, so Joyce was the heart of season one. Yep. She was my favourite part of it. Yep. But in season two, I she gets lost for me. Well, like, it's it's similar to the first season in that she's, like, trying to save her son, trying mm-hmm. to find a way to save her son. But in this season, she is completely relegated to someone who, for the most part, just takes orders from other people, whether that be Mike or Hopper or Dr. Owens she, like people tell her what to do, and she's like, "Okay, let's do that." She's not the driving force of the plans for the most part. Um, yes, to some degree. And that was my favorite thing about her was how like she was like going out and figuring out. The one bit that I did really love is when she rewatched the videotape from the night the I Halloween love that episode. Bit. I love that. I was like, "Yes, yes, awesome, awesome." And but we don't really see that again. No, I I think I disagree with you a little bit on this one. Mm. I sort of see what you're saying, but I think that. I, I, Joyce is heavily involved in 
realizations and really pushing to make sure that people investigate these things correctly. So she's the one who's really worried that Will, what Will's experiencing is more than just PTSD. Um, she's the one who recognizes that the drawing he does is actually of something he saw out the back of the house. Um, and uh, uh, that tells that to Hopper. She finds the thing on the v- VHS, which is cool. I feel like she's she- unsure about the PTSD, but I don't think... It's not until she like sits down with Will and he's just talking about it and he's talking about what's what the now memories or whatever. The, yeah. Yeah. But she's but she, yeah, I don't I don't feel that driving force from her in that. She know. is the one who figures out that the the pictures go together, I think, to make the map. I think she's the one who starts mm. to like put that together. Um They laid oh, I'm not sure about that, but anyway, I can double check um, that. She is constantly talking, saying to everybody, fucking figure out what's happening to my boy. Like she's trying like while I don't think she is taking that many orders because a lot of the time orders are being said and she's like, fuck you, fix my kid. Or we're taking my kid to a hospital. And like they can't let her. So mm. she can't be as involved because the plot can't let her be too involved, right? Which sucks. Which is annoying, which True, is my problem. But with I it. don't think she's lost any of her personal drive to be. She's not, she's certainly not. I don't think she's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She's not a bystander in what's going on. She's 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 forced to. She can't be as active because other people step in the way and stop her. Mm. But she's still trying and still is right most of the That's time. That's what I mean by relegated. Is in she she's is, also she the is one put in that place by other people because she can't plot wise. She's not allowed to. She's also the one and that figures out they need to burn the thing out of Will and is the one that actively pushes to make sure, even though it's hurting him, to, she is. The one who does it when Jonathan do like wants her to end stop. When she's like, "I got to do I, it." I, I, I want to disagree with you on that point. I, I, it's not as good as season one, but it can't be season one again. No, it, it can't be. Se- we can't just repeat that. I yeah. agree, but I think it is. She is the heart of season one, and Agreed. she is not the heart of this season. And it feels less than because of it. I think. I think the heart of this season, though, I think the heart side of things is relegated to the Hopper and Eleven plot in a lot of ways, which we'll come back to in a bit. But also, I think Will being there, actually being there to to experience it, uh, is part of that too. Will gets to take the lead on that a little bit more, and Joyce is a bit more along for the ride. I, to me, Joyce was great this season, and wasn't. I, I like. I like the performance, and I. I'm. I don't think it was uncharacteristic in the sense that I think Dustin was. Yes. But yes. she, I don't see her as a, um, a huge main player the way I did in season one. And that was really important for no, me to see a character wasn't. like Joyce. And yeah, like she relied on other people, which is good to blah, 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 see people, to see her rely on others. But like, that's not what I want from Joyce. So do you think she was toned back do you mean do you think her involvement was turned back because people reacted saying no, that she was too no much? i don't think it was purposeful i think it was this is what they want to do with the plot and this is where we have to put joyce i think that's i think that's part of and it and i don't like that um it's it's a hard to to say at this point because what happens what if, do you mean it's hard to say i don't like no, it no 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 that's hard <laughs> no, that's, uh, you don't like it that's fine yeah it's more like Maybe this is what the show needed. Maybe this is what the plot needs to do to get where it's going to go in season three and four. I remember this is again Cora season two without trying to spoil too much. Season two is the weakest season of that show, Mm. but it also sets up a really brilliant season three and a great season four. And I don't know. uh, Yeah, I wish there'd been more Joyce. I kind of see why there isn't more Joyce. And the Joyce that I get, I like. And she's still there a lot. It's It's just not as much as season one was. There's a lot of characters. 
And yeah. I don't know who gets more than Joyce this season. Who gets more than Joyce? Yeah, who gets who gets more screen time than Joyce this season? Joyce got the, the probably boys, Hopper. All the boys, do you think? No, not all the boys. We get a lot of Will. Get a lot we of get Will. get a lot of Dustin. And with Will comes Joyce. We get a lot of Hopper. Get a lot of Hopper. Get a lot of Eleven. Get a lot of Eleven. Yeah, so this is the, I think this is the thing, though. Because they're so split up this mm. season, that means everyone's getting a little bit less. It's not... It's not like there's just three storylines, which mm. I feel like it was mainly just three stories. There's like six or seven storylines. And so it, everything's so much more fractured this season. And it's messier. And it isn't as good as season one. There's no way around it. Yeah. But because of that, I don't I think it's harder to say who the main character is. It's probably Will. And Will had nothing last season. Yeah. Um and so everyone else has to lose a little bit. I mean, of that. yeah, I, I agree. I mean I when I was talking to people about this season, I was like, I think this season, too, it's the growing pains. It's the growing from too. the season one being a complete package yep. to extending things out Absolutely. so that we can make room for a three and a four. That's yep. why I don't know. We're only, are we only getting four? They've only... Uh, well, we'll the see how, quote how we that go. I read the other day, I think it was an EW article. Mm. Um, I'll try and track it down, put in the uh, notes, the what do you call them? Show notes at the end, mm-hmm. if, if I remember. Um, I believe they've said... Something on the lines of four seasons seems too few, five seasons seems too many. So we're probably getting four or five seasons. Right. right. Okay. Cool. All um, right. um, yeah. So these these are the gr- the growing pains, and I I understand that. Yep. Um, but because, like we said, season one, was, I loved it so much, and I loved Joyce so much. Um, to dilute her feels a. A little like I don't know, it feels like a disappointment to me, I, and I can't I agree. get away from that feeling. One hundred percent agree. I would be I'd be very interested in, in revisiting our feelings about this season because I still think. I, I, Keep in mind, I need to rewatch this season. No, I've only seen it once. No, I, I think you're spot on though. Okay. My feelings are the same. It's definitely inferior to season one, and mm. I mean, anytime there's a step down, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, but I think I I wonder and I hope, like Cora. Sorry, I keep using that reference. It's, a, it's spoilery to do it, but it's just a really, really good point of reference for me. You, you'll look back on it and go, yeah, that sucked, but it was necessary. It led us somewhere. It, like, it, mm. You look at it and you go, the work that's put into that season really helps the rest the rest of the story to take place, to, to, to unfold the way it does. Mm-hmm. Without that season, the next part doesn't work. And I wonder where that's what will happen. If we get to the end of four or five seasons, look back and go, yeah, season two is the weakest of them, but it was necessary. Look at where we, it took us. Yeah. We needed that work to be done. And we've talked about this with, I think, um, we talked about this with Game of Thrones as well. Maybe not on the show, but I off, uh, season four and five at times were my le- before season seven were my least favorite seasons. And a lot of it was me going- Is that the one with the psycho? I'm not going to use any reference points. Uh, Yes, that was part of it. But just sometimes the narrative started to feel like it was skipping. It was, I mean, season seven was really, really, really fast, right? It was two plots. I'd almost forgot. Plotted too fast. But the ones before it was sort of, uh, it felt like they were doing some convenient things. But maybe that was necessary to get to a place where we could focus on an ending. Mm. We're getting off track. That hasn't worked out for Game of Thrones, but it did work for Korra. So I'm hoping that'll yes. work for Stranger Things as well. But I, I think your overall point is correct. Definitely there is less good, there's less Joyce. Yeah. And that sucks. But I still like what we get, is my point. 
Yeah, yeah. It's so, I mean, yeah, I love Joyce. I love Mama Joyce. Love her. Can I tell you? I, I think your point is right that it's because the show is trying to its increase its scope and plan for the future. We've talked about that now. Something that worried me, though, with Joyce is one of the ways they try to involve her. I love that bit on the TV screen you're talking about. Mm, that, the, yeah, it's one that, of my favourite Joyce. That effect is really cool. That and the stuff with the map. She needs Bob? No, no, no. Oh. Well, yeah. The but both, though, she needs But Bob, yeah. the Bob stuff was done because they wanted to build Bob to be a good character so we could <laughs> care... Because they need someone to die, but they weren't killing, willing to kill off one of our main characters, yeah. so they built up one. They had to make him important. They had to make him helpful. They had to make him enjoyable, and they a did all those guy. things. Yep. And they did. And they did. maybe Joyce lost some of her agency to serve his sacrificial lamb moment. But yep. actually, my point was, the thing with the TV, that one works for me. The thing with the map, I, I, I understand the desire the reflex to want to try and recreate that yeah, it iconic felt like image. The lights. It felt the lights and mm. way inferior. Yes, like, yeah, of course it is. I, mainly because I think it's the dumbest, stupidest thing that the show's <laughs> ever done. Because I don't know how the fuck do you logically make, think anyone could make sense and put these together in any sort of logical way. Because uh, he's Bob the Brain. No, no, no. He can do anything. He's not the one who puts oh. them on the wall. Oh, yeah, you mean Joyce. When Joyce and Hopper are going through and like going, oh, these ones go together, I'm looking at you, you're fucking making this up as you go along. This isn't a jigsaw puzzle where the pieces, these are, these are, ra- these are scribbles. You could have, this could, you could have put this in any sort of, there's a bit where she goes, she's got put them on the wall and there's a gap between two parts and she's like, finds one piece and like puts it there. I was like, how did you put the one, how'd you, how'd you make an exact one piece space between these two parts? Like putting these together, they aren't numbered. This isn't a dot to dot. They are create. Wait, it would be the site, like the width, the width of the tunnel it's on each piece of paper. It's so isn't it? vague. It's so vague. It'd be like trying to put a jigsaw together that was all blue. The whole thing was blue. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's. It just. I look at it and go, that doesn't. I understand again. Understand this idea of putting this sprawling vines thing over the buyer's house, mm. the walls and stuff. Yeah, cool, good image. This makes this fucking ridiculous. This makes no sense whatsoever. It it just for me, I was like, Will could have helped them do it. Will could have been if Will was the one who was helping them put them up and tell them where to do it. Yeah, that would make sense to me because Will knows. Yeah, I wasn't too like worried. Like, oh, it doesn't make sense. It it wasn't too much that it was like this is a very clear visual rehashing of what people yes. loved in season one. Yes. And that felt cheap to me. I was yeah. like, uh, yeah, boo. Yeah, when I was saying it, it redid a couple of things, that's the best. Yeah. That was the example. That was them trying to have their fairy lights moment mm-hmm. of this season. I ugh, just did not like that at all. Um, again, we've gone off track, but that's fine. Um, so the Will plot line, he's having these flashes into the... Um, into the upside down, mainly when he's stressed and anxious, it seems. He keeps seeing this shadow monster. Bob tells him next time, because it's imaginary, just tell mm-hmm. it to go away. Go away. I love go that. Away. I love the way That's... episode three ends, by the way, with what? like with Will on the field. Oh, yeah. Right? And the he's seeing the monster and he he you flash back to the Bob in the car. That terrified me. Just like that. Yeah. I was just like, fuck, that is so effective yeah. and so scary. And also made me go, 
is Bob a bad guy? Yeah, I thought Bob was a bad guy too. I was like, oh no, yeah. he's a spy. I was yeah. really worried about that as well. Which and is great because it him. makes you yeah interested in the character that you might not be interested in. Absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, when the tentacles are going down his throat and stuff, fuck, that's horrific imagery. Oh, oh it's so, so scary. And that to me, I think the end of episode three, episode four is when the, the show actually starts to build, mm-hmm. starts to get going, which is good. Um, so that happens. Will starts acting stranger than normal. He's got a temperature. No, he doesn't have a temperature. His temperature is low and he doesn't want to be near heat. Um, he's having these now memories. He starts drawing the um, the vine map and stuff. Hopper f- goes to the vines, gets caught underground. Um, it all leads essentially to back to the facility and they need to wipe out... They need to close the gate. So that little gate that we'd seen um, mm. in season one is apparently just the tip of the iceberg yeah. and then it goes underground and it's huge. And the this... Evil force from the upside down has been spreading underneath Hawkins the entire time, and the demi dogs are around, and um, yeah, they need to destroy it. Um, and Will is sort of their their gateway into that. He's a spy for sort of like his his connection to the shadow monster, the Mind Flayer. It's sort of like Voldemort and Harry Potter. I noticed it's like it's a two way street mm. where. The the f- mind flayer can see. That's what it was reminding me. Of. The whole time I was like, "What? Is, I've seen this before. What is this?" Yeah, and it can yeah, see through Will, but yeah. Will can see back a mm-hmm. little bit as well. Um, yeah, and uh, at the end of the day, there is there's just it ends up instead of being this, we got to save Will before he perishes in the upside down, and we don't really know what the upside down is. There's an evil force coming from the upside down, and we need to close the gate before it gets here, basically. Mm-hmm. That's what it sort of boils down to. How did you feel about that plot in general? About the closing of the portal. Just in what well, what this season ultimately the big bad was compared to last season. Because last season was very, very straightforward. It was just sort of like this animalistic yeah. thing from another dimension. The which vagueness we- of it is always makes it harder to attach to. It's the same thing that we find in like when not quite to the extent, but the same thing that we find in like your your Marvel films or your DC films, where it's this big bad, this you know, alien race coming down from the sky, or it's a big beam of something, mm. or blah 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 blah. Like that's yeah. always going to be harder to attach to. Um, whereas in the first season, while the the big bad was just kind of this yeah, animalistic creature, um, we were attached to that is strictly hunting or like putting Will in danger, mm-hmm. and Will's the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so the element of season two that I like is that it has possessed Will. Yes, that bit's great. It's great. Um, there is a time frame there because it is, it's he's losing his memories and perhaps yep. losing himself, yep. which is good. I really like that. Um, the stretching out and killing things, the vines underneath, yep. the roots, if you will, um, underneath. I like the idea of uh, the mind flayer. That's the vague bit, yeah. right? The <laughs> big, the big. It's hard sh- for me to attach a feeling to because I don't really have much of one about it. The uh, well, it's it similar to like. Uh, the White Walkers in Game of Thrones is not a character, yes, right? It's an impending doom. And it's just this big shadowy yeah. thing, right, mm-hmm. that seems to connect 
sort of ethereally rather than physically really have a presence Mm -hmm. in the story. We know it exists in the Upside Down. We know it's coming through. Will talks about being evil, but while the Demigorgon was doing evil things, we didn't really know that it was evil necessarily. It was just dangerous because it was sort of an animal. It was Mm. feeding like an animal would, and they had to defeat it for that reason. So it, it... yeah, it, the, the problem is as well, that sort of vague shadow creature, I mean, I'm worried that this is going to turn around at the end of season four and they have to defeat it with love. Like, it's one of those things well, that's like, I look yeah. and I go, I don't know how to defeat you. I don't really know what you are. Well, that's are. the thing. This is this creature, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I misinterpreted what was being said, um, but that this creature go- goes, I guess, from world to world or dimension to dimension taking over things. And Well, I don't know dem- if we uh, – that might be – more than we could possibly know yeah. at this point. Yeah, well, and the Demogorgons are a part of that. Like, the, it's taken over their world or whatever and has some, like, psychic control over them and that's how it's able to, like, tell them where to go and stuff. Certainly and it has so, control of those things, yeah, yeah. and so if that's the case, if that's the thing that's – it's like this cancerous thing that just goes from dimension to dimension, how are the characters, this like, this these groups of families and friends in Hawkins mm. – Going to be up against that. I'm sure we have eleven, and we I guess have this band of possible superheroes out there. Yeah. But then it stops becoming Stranger Things, yeah. and it's a Marvel film. Mm-hmm. And while I love those, that's not why I'm watching Stranger Things. Yeah. So that's concerning to me at this point. The, but who knows? Like it's the early stages. What's interesting is one of the things I loved about season one was sort of the discovery and the figuring out of what the upside down was. Right. Mm. So the way they sort of came to understand it, what it what it, how it operated, what its rules were, and so forth. In this season, it's consistent, I think, with its rules. That's fine. But I didn't learn anything more about it. Um, if I, what you said about it being a thing that comes from dimension to dimension, we can assume the upside down is just a dimension that it's already taken over. Yeah. I like, but I don't think it's outwardly said in right. this season. Uh, maybe I'm, I swear I've watched it twice and I might have I'll missed reiterate, I was drunk. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that makes a lot of sense because all of a sudden okay. the vines and stuff make sense, all those sorts of things, that mm. it's not a direct reflection. It is an alternate version of Hawkins where... If if you'd gone before this thing had arrived, you would have be been fine. like stepping through a sliders dimension. It just was another, mm. you know, it just would have sliders, been sliders. Good reference, thank man. You. Um, <laughs> it would have been like stepping into a sort of one where everyone wears red hats or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it would have been, mm. it would have been just like Hawkins, but just a little off instead of being this completely like hellscape that it is. Mm. Um, that makes a lot of sense actually now that you say it outright. But it isn't explicitly said. Okay. As far as I'm aware, correct me if I'm wrong, viewers. Ben, will, I'm sure Ben, can you correct me if I'm wrong on that one, please? I'm sure. <laughs> Sure you will. Good friend of ours listens. Yep. Um, he was like, where's the episode, bro? I want to listen to the episode. <laughs> um, but I don't think it's outwardly said, though it would make sense. But again, mm. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm surprised we didn't learn more about the upside. I don't know. Yeah, that stagnated a little bit for me, which is disappointing. Anyway. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, anyway, they end up def- closing the gate because Eleven comes back. Yay, and maybe we can finally talk about Eleven and Hopper then. Okay. So... For me, this is the highlight of the season, is this storyline, bar one major hiccup, which we can talk about in detail <laughs> in a little bit. I think there's a particular category we can discuss that hiccup in, but yeah. Um, what's the category, Damask? In the worst episode. Least favourite episode, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So, at the end of episode one, it is revealed that Hopper is looking after Eleven. Mm-hmm. That he, at the end, we flash back at the start of season two. This is something you brought up in your synopsis, which I'm very keen to talk about. The anticlimactic reveal that Eleven <laughs> made it very easily back into our dimension. Oh, there's a door. Now Walks right through it. I like that, personally. And I'll explain why. Okay. Do you recognise why that door's there? No. Did, no. I think, the, I think it might have, wasn't quite well... Um, this is this is actually the bit at the end of the trailer when we go off topic for a little bit here very quickly when we watched the season two trailer mm-hmm. the thriller one I said stop now yes right? you did because in that trailer they show Eleven going through the hole okay right so I was like oh okay I know how Eleven gets back to the real world right. so I was like I okay. don't so I don't want people to... were expecting that so a people were expecting that to happen okay. but b I had had a chance to analyze that and I recognized quickly especially mm-hmm. when I rewatched. Stranger Things season one, that that's the hole the Demigorgon comes from. After she kills all the guys oh. in the hallway, that's the hole the Demigorgon creates to come into the school. Oh, okay. So that hole theoretically is still there after they defeat the Demigorgon and she walks okay. through it. So actually would have been a plot hole if she didn't use it, right? So I quite like that they went, well, we know this is here. Oh, okay. And she used it and then just couldn't get back in touch with Mike because mm. um, basically she was being with- hunted. The when Nancy goes through the tree yes. in the forest, yes. and then she comes, it closes again, back it out. It closes. Sure, but we don't know how long that that hole was there at that stage, do we? I assume there's some time dilation. Also, it was sort of starting to close, and Eleven had to open it up a little bit again. But there was like a okay, hole left yep, behind. Yep, okay, right. So right. it was it wasn't big enough for Eleven to mm-hmm. get through, but she was able to use her powers to open it up, which did help to show that theoretically she can close. That was one too. of my notes. I was like, oh, she can actually. 
change oh, the size of like the walls. That's and right. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was important. That was helpful okay. too. Mm-hmm. So I agree. While it's like, oh, it was pretty simple. I was also like, <laughs> well, I was that- shocked when I was. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. It seems convenient. There's a hole there, but no, the hole was there because okay. the demigod. That, well, that's good to know. That's that made know. so I knew that before I even watched mm. the episode. I'm glad so you clarified. A, it that. wasn't surprising, and B, I was like, well, that makes sense. Um, it's not a particularly dra- dramatic moment, unfortunately. No, but it's yeah. not, unfortunately, <laughs> for that reason. But it also means that... Because one of the questions I was always left in, at the end of season one is, if Eleven's still in the... We would should assume at that point that Eleven's probably still on the upside down. Why is Hopper putting Egos well, that's into, the question. A, into a thing in the real mm. world? And it turns out it's because she was there the whole time. She yeah. was already back in our dimension. She was just running. Do we running. know how Hopper knows... That? He heard stories, I think, is uh, from memory. He'd heard uh, about a girl in the woods. Oh, okay. Um, right. Okay. And so he... That was one of my questions that I wanted to ask Went out you. looking for it. I think that at that point she'd had that moment with the hunter where she'd mm. flung the log into the guy's head. Right in his face. Yeah. yeah and, and left s- him in the cold. <laughs> passed out. It's probably dead. Yep. Well, apparently that story got back he to pr- Hopper. He was probably a father as well. She didn't mind killing a father then. Interesting. Okay. She didn't kill him. She knocked <laughs> no. him out to I save know, herself. I know. I know. I'm joking. Point being, she made it back to the upside down. Hopper found her, knows that she needs to be protected, takes her to his grandfather's hunting lodge and has been living with her there ever We since. see him dance in very tight pants. I'm oh sure the ladies at home and fellas God. appreciate that. That dance is <laughs> killing it on over the internet. Oh, is it? There are so many things that just Hopper dance to every song. And there's a video of like, we're dancing to... You know, all sorts of songs. That's it's just cute. that little dance. Yeah. And I Very go, tight pants. I go say I love that dance. And I love that dance mainly because I also love Eleven's reaction, which is like just like what? <laughs> <laughs> Her eyes just like what, what? Is what am I looking at? Uh, that's, cute. that's pretty cute. Um I think this was a fucking stroke of genius. I think the uh, putting Hopper and Eleven together makes so much sense. She is a girl who doesn't have a father and has had a very. I think genius. Genius feels like a, a okay. big word, just because, like, of course, that's where it was going. Well, I don't know if I didn't think I didn't. In my mind, I didn't put that as happening together. Oh. But when it happened, I was like, that is. When I say genius, I mean just more from a the same reason I think the first season is genius in a lot of ways, hyperbolic, sure, <laughs> but like as much as it it's not it's predictable. It's also just really well executed. And while it... Yeah, beautifully executed. Right. Yes, and yes. while it... Sure, you look at it and go, oh, it makes sense to put Eleven and Hopper together because of their shared histories. Mm. Um, her not having a very missing problematic... Missing dad, missing daughter. Yeah. Put them together ding, ding. and see what happens. Um, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I can mm. totally get behind this. And there is a lot to enjoy about this. The, uh, what, what is your general feeling on that pairing? Yeah, I really liked it. And I liked that we were able to explore a different side of Hopper. Uh-huh. His, because we know he's a, a, a fuck up. Uh-huh. Obviously, because in season one we see him, he's, you know, chief police and he doesn't really care about things and he's an alcoholic and um, possible drug addict. Um, and here we see him struggling to be a father figure, um, a yes. good father figure. And more often than not, failing miserably at uh-huh. that um and him dealing with his trauma that he's experienced but also trying to be there for someone who also has been traumatized as well not just traumatized but is actively in danger just by mm-hmm. her very existence mm-hmm. and also has fucking superpowers <laughs> there is so many levels to this which complicate it 
And so they the have, fight scene when he rips the I TV cord is so good. I love the fight scene. I so good. Th- and the thing, what I love about that as well is it goes to some pretty creepy places. Well, the thing is, like Hopper really kind of goes. I'm scared Joseph for Menzel. both of yes, them. Yes, I am scared be- for him because she has fucking superpowers, and I don't know if she's going to accidentally do something. Yes, she's very capable of actually hurting him. Yeah, and seeing that level of anger in him, I am worried he's going to do something to her that he's going to re- regret forever. Yes, mm. there is, there is a lot. He is afraid for a number of reasons: a that she'll be in danger, mm-hmm. and b because, you know, normally in that relationship he is going to have the power, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. And no. what he tries to do is compensate for that by really wielding with an iron fist in that house in a way that is, to if someone wasn't as powerful as Eleven would be really bad. Like the way he. You'd be like, this is just a straight up abuse, like emotionally abusive father. Not just emotionally, like he, 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 like I said, it's almost like is it Joseph Menzel? Is that the name of the guy? I like, say Mengel, but it ca- it, like I guess the German pronunci- pronunciation is uh, Mengele. I think. Oh right. Like that. Yeah. But that That's scenario, bastardized. I'm sorry. He is keeping someone in a house against her will, essentially. Like, mm. um, she like obviously, but, like she in can a manipulative leave. way of being like. These are the rules, and we're not stupid. But that, but you could you could see all of that dialogue being played. Have you seen Room? Um, of course I have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the exact the same sort of dialogue. You oh, could hi, hear, Mark. No, I'm joking. Not the Room. <laughs> no, I know. I'm joking. Well done. Sorry, you did get me there. I was like, no. <laughs> um, but you could. I think you could see all of most of that. Well, not all of it. A lot of that dialogue, and you could just perform it slightly differently and twist it, and it even goes to that level where you start to go, "You're a bit of." a creep here, Topper, mm. but you also understand why. He is actively trying to protect her from real danger. She is extremely powerful and he is a fuck up and he's yeah. extremely scared and mm-hmm. doesn't and wants to protect her at all costs to the point where it's detrimental to them both. And it's really good stuff. Really, really good. And Millie Bobby Brown is fucking great as mm-hmm. well. They are both great. I love them both. Mm-hmm. I love Eleven's um I love her cadence, her like simplified English. Five one five and stuff like that. Five one five, or just the way she said, she'll just she doesn't have complete sentences all the time. Yeah. Um, halfway happy, like her little terms and stuff yeah. like that. The language, little things they make for her, and I agree. She's I, probably never had real conversations with people before. No, it's very simplified. Mm-hmm. She is like, she has missed out on. You know, a lot of human interaction and real conversation stuff like that. So it is very simplified. Um, I don't know, just I think all that stuff is great. And then this is a detail that I missed completely, and maybe you saw it, but I didn't. Are you aware of Hopper's the uh, hairband around his wrist? Oh no! No, Liam pointed this out to me, and I this full credit to Liam for telling me about this. I feel like Get Liam should be on this podcast. Where is he? I you know. keep mentioning. Yeah, no, he's he's very busy right now. I think. Um, this, uh, Liam told me about this and I didn't even know it was there. So I, I think this is consistent from season one as well, but in this season, it's more apparent. He has a hairband on his wrist, mm. which theoretically is his daughter's. Yeah. Right? And he plays with it a little bit. And there's the scene of the scene where he goes to leave the house and it's after their fight and it looks like he's going to apologize. Then he says, no, I want this house cleaned up. He takes Look, the handband oh, okay. off. He's playing with it when he's going to apologize. And then when he decides he's not going to do that, he puts it back on and like... And then when he's in the car and he's talking to her on the um, on the radio, he's trying mm. to talk to her and stuff like that. You can really, it's really prevalent at that point. Mm-hmm. It was a whole detail I didn't know was there. Right. And it feels That's like it was beautiful. probably it was probably a David Harbour. I mean, we said costume stuff isn't always actors, but mm. 
it's not in the script at all. It's so subtle. I kind of feel like it might be an actor's thing. That's really beautiful. It's fucking cool. The, that the ever-present fear of loss yes. is there, which and is fantastic. Totally in little moments. represented yeah. in an actual physical object that's attached to the character. That's really lovely. It is cool. I'm looking forward to rewatching it and seeing those moments. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. I thought that was great. Mm. Thank you, Liam, for bringing that I, yeah. up. Yeah. Thank you, Liam. That's, yeah, great. More observant than I am, apparently. The, um, <laughs> we all know that. Anyway, then, she, <laughs> then he leaves. She finds out that he's been lying to her numerous ways. Um, again, from a place of protection. And uh, Hopper just ends up getting involved in the Will and Joyce stuff. And um, Eleven goes off to find her mother. She does. We find out what all the nonsense she's been saying since season one is mm-hmm. in a flashback sequence that I think is a little ham-fisted, but that's just me, maybe. Yeah. It uh, felt like, I don't know, like something like out of Heroes or... Um, I felt like I'd seen it before and I don't remember liking it the first time. You know, it just felt like a little bit like that. The flashback sequence mm. to... Um, like, yeah, to... Um, the mother's sort of story yeah. with Levin, yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was fine. It was good to get some explanation of what was going on there. Um, I wanted a cooler way to experience it, I guess. I don't know. There was, yeah, just something that didn't quite hook me in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then... Um, she, yeah, finds out about... Oh, we've got to mention that the way this season starts is with a cold open of... Were you really worried when you saw that? Because I was like, oh, no. I wasn't worried. I I thought that... I think that's smart to do stuff like that, is to go put us in Philadelphia and show us characters we don't know and tease us with other people with powers because the reveal that she's eight is like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Mm. And total swerve and didn't was one of those things that wasn't in the trailers that we had no mm-hmm. indication was a thing at all. And so straight away I'm like, oh man, I feel like I don't know what to expect anymore. And that's a my, cool place to yeah, put me. My immediate reaction was, oh no, are they making the world too big? Right. That was my worry when I saw that. So Eleven goes to find this eight person and we get a truly awful- Masterful. No. <laughs> episode of television. Um, undoubtedly, this is both going to be our least favorite episodes of the yeah, season. No, no shock there. It is universally, I think the world agrees. Universally, this good. is not a good episode. Um, so it's an interesting choice. We get to a point, I think it's episode six, things are really dire back in Hawkins, and we spend a whole episode with Eleven going to Chicago and meeting up with Eight and meeting this band of misfits. And... Mm, that band. I'll say this outright. I'll say this <clears throat> straight up. I know what it's trying to do. And it's funny. I was listening to a thing today. I was listening to a, a really long part one of a two-part exploration uh, discussion as to why Batman vs Superman is a terrible movie, right? Mm. Which everyone knows, but <laughs> most people know. Well, some um, people are in denial of, but yeah. But that's true. But Subconsciously, they, I'm sure they know. But he talks a lot about the difference between intent and execution. And how you can have the best intent in the world, but if you aim for that target and miss, well, sorry, buddy, intent means nothing at that point. Mm-hmm. One finishes where the other begins. And I think the intent of this episode is fine. It's very correct, That's what right-headed. I was saying in my rundown. It's like, it seems like this On is going to be good. It, it seems like this yeah. is going to be good, and it should be good, but it's not. Yeah, it, I think it's it, what it's trying to do with Eleven, what it's thematically doing, what it's building up to later down the track. Exploration of what is, like... What is family? What is connection? What does that mean for you as a person yep. who doesn't necessarily have what 
some people are uh, naturally given. Yeah. And just, yeah, the exploration of like, what is the family that I choose? Yes. Who, like a very clear line of like, who is the person that I am and who I choose to be? That's always going to be an interesting story. And it just falls short. On it's it's an execution level, and it's on multiple levels. Mm. Um, number one, I do those no- characters, the band of misfits. Yeah, so sorry to interject, but no, yeah. no, you're right. Let's just start there. Well, I was going to start with eight particularly. Okay, I yep. just think she is not interesting nor well acted. There is nothing about that performance or that character that I'm interested in. Um, I think, and then by extension, that's true of the whole band. A while I know this show revels in like 80s iconography and stuff like that already, mm. um, I'm glad they for it works in Hawkins, right? I think the Duffer Brothers and that production mm-hmm. group seem to have that all figured out for a small town Stephen King novel. Yeah. They don't have it for a inner city 80s, yeah. I think whatever that's, that that's was. The difference is that with what we have in Hawkins, with those characters, we get a sense of nostalgia. Yes. Um, in this episode, is it episode seven? Episode seven, yeah. I is, will never forget. It doesn't feel like nostalgia. It just feels dated. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ugh. That's a really good way of putting yeah. it, yeah. I think that's the difference there. Um, They also, I think if your story is going to be about, like, family mm-hmm. and, like, finding a place, home, I think. Is yeah. the, home, home is the word yeah. that comes up. And finding, like, she's told by eight, you are home. Mm-hmm. At the end of the episode, 11 goes, I'm going home, mm-hmm. right? And that is, again, written down on paper as, like a, as the idea for the episode. Uh, I'm with you mm-hmm. 100% of the way there. But these people, I know you've only got one episode to do it because I've chosen to do it in one episode, which maybe was part of the problem. But I don't like, care. I have nothing for any of these characters. None of them. That's because they have given you none, nothing to work with them. None Why of them. would you? Why would you care about any of them? Why would you connect with any of them? I ask anyone to give me an example of why we would care about these. The the band of misfits around eight. Is that her number? Eight. Yes. Around. Uh, she has eight. another name, but we'll just go with eight because yeah. it's tattoo. Um, the, we have no. Holly, I they think are is. cartoon characters. Yes. That we barely get anything of. Yes. And with her, we get coldness. Yep. With eight, we get coldness. We get sharpness. We see that she is the daughter, the product of Brenna, uh-huh. um, someone that we despise, don't like, um, which could be interesting, mm-hmm. is the choice is, is your home with under the the patriarch of Brenna, with the children of Brenna, or is it with a father figure like Hopper? They could be the choices, but they don't explore that. They just have this cold, hard person that is – Purely like motivated through revenge. We don't know anything more about her. We don't know anything more about her journey or her struggles other than she has been tortured by this man, which we know about Eleven. Yeah, like I I want to care. It's not for lack of trying. I'm just not given anything. I just don't. The... The show does a really poor job of doing the work that needs to do to make it seem like eight really gives a shit about eleven. Do you know what I mean? Like it's mm. very early on; it's revealed that she's going to use eleven to go and kill some people, mm-hmm. and it's really like it, it, there's just no moment where I'm like, I feel like you're being that sister figure or, or that person that eleven's been missing from her life. You're not. Yeah, that's All why I mean, like she's the daughter of Brands that like 
any measure is necessary yes. to meet her ends. Yeah, like that's totally. what she has learned. That's what she has gotten from him. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be interesting. I, th- I just feel like there's a way you could have done it. You could mm-hmm. have just made she, – A, she has to be more likable and feel more um, – yeah, just feel more sympathetic or empathetic towards – Eight as a character, yeah. but I don't, well, or any even, of the people around yeah. her. Even if you don't do that, and we see that eight is like Brenner, in which because we see that eleven, she calls Doctor Brenner Papa, and like she like turns to him when she's afraid. Mm. Even if in eleven coming to meet eight, who is somewhat similar to him, we see eleven regress a little bit to that like you're my person sure, yeah, and then yeah. she kind of realizes that that's actually not who she is anymore and yep. leaves as well. So there's also that way to go about it as well, but we don't get that either. No. Yeah, it it's a shame. It feels like a bad episode of Heroes and there were a lot of bad episodes <laughs> of Heroes, particularly yeah. after season one. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really bad. Mm-hmm. There is so little to hang on to here. Millie, Millie yeah. Bobby Brown is not doing anything wrong. She is fine doing her 11 thing mm-hmm. but it it relies on these new characters to do the work and it's just simple things like the I don't know whether it's the dialogue as written or the way it's performed but as you said all these people are cartoons they have there's a bit where the the police are showing up and they're talking about like hey come and play just play one hand and the dog's like, like it's one hand leads to two two hand leads to three and then all of a sudden I'm broke I'm like who the fuck <laughs> thought that was enough that's draft one shit yeah. get that out of here. That is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. And the guy with the mohawk or whatever I just it is, don't he's think a we, nothing. We don't need those people at all. It's not... Yeah, we don't need those characters. Why are they there? Yeah. It's about the relationship between these two girls who were raised in the same fucked up situation. Yeah. If you only are going to give that story one episode, then we don't need those people. You're right. We only need eight. If yeah. eight was on by her, by herself getting away with it, you know, hiding, mm-hmm. um, Eleven's able to track her down because she can track down people, but eight can keep herself secret from other people because she doesn't have to be seen. Yeah. They realise they have a connection. Eight shows her how she's surviving. Eight show, eight pulls her like, in. So you don't they, really need they, people, do you? They, like, they, yeah. they, they establish that they have a connection. They need each other. Mm-hmm. But then eight's like, hey, I'm doing this thing. We're going to... Get back at these people. Do you want to come along? Yeah, we're going to make it right. We're going to make it right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's that decision. I think the decision, like the whole thing about killing the guy and mm-hmm. then she doesn't want to is fine. Then you find the part that separates them. Make yeah. them seem more See, similar that's, than that's they the are. That's the journey. Is like, that's why like that, that moment of choice is important. I think that's an important story to tell about Eleven. And yep. I think that that's what we're both responding to when we say the idea, there's something yep. there that's good and that's what's good. It's just all the stuff around it. And like having that person to teach them, to teach Eleven how to control her powers a bit mm-hmm. more and stuff, though I wish the anger thing didn't come into it. That was a little bit... Yeah. Uh, that was the thing as well. It tips its hat too early that eight's no good. So like yeah. um, when she says about... Like when they're talking about murdering people so early in the episode, that needs to be a reveal. That needs to be a reveal. And it needs to be like, this person deserves to die and like have Eleven have to make that choice in the moment. She really is angry and then turns away from it. Oh, man, there are so many things wrong with the way this was executed. We'll move on. <laughs> um, the did I did want to say, though, before, instead of bringing this up in my quick fire notes, did you notice this was almost like a little mini Dagobah? Like, there was legitimate, like, this was almost Empire Strikes Back in one episode. No. So, so, 
Eleven arrives, this mysterious place she doesn't understand, has never been to before. She finds someone who can teach her how to control her powers. Instead of lifting the X-Wing out of the swamp, she's moving that truck with her mind powers. Um, She is told that she needs to stay here because this is where the real work needs to be done but instead Luke has a vision of her friends in trouble Eleven has a vision of her friends in trouble and needs to leave and is like don't you can't leave we have work to do here no I need to go and do that instead mm. and we're you know we know that we're going to see Yoda again in in episode 6 we know we will see 8 again at some stage yeah. um, because that is not that storyline isn't finished anymore especially now that they're suggesting that Brenner is still alive even even suggesting that well, I mean, in 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 Star Wars, uh, Luke goes into the tree and sees a vision of himself as Darth Vader. Eleven sees a vision of Brenner and sort mm. of suggests that <laughs> she's more alike. Than... I love it when you tie things back to Star Wars. What I was mean, the other one that you did for uh, that? Avatar? Avatar, that's yeah, right. Avatar. All three seasons, mm. especially seasons one and especially seasons one and two. But yeah. Um, anyway, I just thought that was really interesting and really obvious, and it was about came out. In 83, no, 80, 1980, Jedi was out by um, 84. So, yeah, anyway, it's, a, it's an 80s reference as well. There's a lot right, okay. in this. Um, anyway, Eleven goes back um, with her cool new emo hair thing going on, punk thing going on, uh, gets in the nick of time, saves the family from demodogs, I think, that are attacking the house or whatever it is at the time. Yeah, I think that's what Dustin's coined them as, yeah. Yep. Um, and then <clears throat> Hop goes with Hopper, reconnects with him. There's a great scene in the truck with him. Oh. And eleven that I love mm-hmm. that ties up that storyline, which is yeah, very successful perfectly. And then she goes and closes the gate, which is kind of whatever. Um, we should talk about the epilogue, though. And really, <gasps> yep. Uh, one of my <laughs> one of my notes is in all caps: Damask. She gets to go to the snowball. Yes, yes. That was um for those who weirdly didn't listen to season one, but are listening to this in my season one recap. At the end, ended with me kind of sobbing about the fact that she didn't get to go to the snowball, um, which I would just seem so unjust. So to get that at the end of this season, yeah, I was pretty happy. I cut, yeah, I lost my shit at that point. My notes were just kind of all capitals. Mm. And and so yeah, I figured you were pretty happy about that. Yeah, and Dustin. Dustin. Oh my god. Dustin gets to oh use the Theraforce hairspray <sighs> and uh, gets his. Cute uh, little hair. That whole like, yeah, the ep- the epilogue is so good. It's so, and he's walking around. My girlfriend and was very happy about all this too. Yeah, he's he's like feeling himself. He's feeling good, but obviously nervous because this is the first time when you're kind of venturing out as, you know, like, ladies are going to see me as a man or yeah. like vice versa, depending on how you identify. Um, and it's so like that nervousness is there, but he's like, you know, he's got really good advice, and he puts himself out there, and is. Denied. Yeah. And he sees his friends who have found people to dance with and connect with. And it's, Even Will. And, yeah, Will, which... With the complete I, rando. I, I hope he's still gay. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and so he's, you know, defeated... Do you feel like they may have abandoned that? If yeah. They were, if they were landing I, on that. But I, anyway, we'll I see. I hope not. Um, yeah. So, you know, he's kind of defeated. And then Nancy... Yeah, I gotta say I don't have often have many applause for Nancy, Me but, I either, did, but I was up. She had a but hero moment yes, there. Nancy, uh, just so wonderful, and she's just talking to him. Yeah, while they dance, and I think it's just a beautiful moment, and I fucking loved it. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Um, I had there was something about this scene, and it's nothing specific except the high school setting. Mm. There was giving me kind of Buffy pangs. There was something about it 
that just made me like mm-hmm. reminded me of some of the feelings and emotions I got from just watching those people connect in that high school setting, those mm-hmm. high school problems. Yeah. Obviously, w- with the backdrop being this sort of sci-fi horror thing that's going on as well. But there's that normalcy they get to have sometimes. Well, that's yeah, that was one of the most wonderful parts of Buffy. Yes, is, you know they they go through these crazy, elaborate, insane circumstances, but when they have the the quiet, true moments of experiencing youth, yes, it's just like it's really it really affects you. And yeah. this is a perfect example of uh, the great moments in Buffy. Is it season three where Buffy gets the umbrella, the protector? Um- season, f- yeah, season three. Season three. Yes, because season four is um, when we meet. Boring, Riley. boring pants. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's the, that's the season with the mayor and uh, yeah. the graduating stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, and everyone noticed uh, all the work she'd done. Yes, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, it yeah. was it was little bits like that, mm. uh, which I think are great mm-hmm. and gives me complete faith that while this is a much is definitely less a season than season one, that there is still a lot to like about Stranger mm. Things. Um, it was cool to just have fifteen minute little epilogue like that too, um, and then also Eleven and Mike. We get the thing that we find out that Hopper is adopt has adopted Eleven officially. That yeah. in a year's time she'll be allowed to just live out in the open, which is great so as well. So lovely, which is cool. And oh, it's just like I'm being filled with so much joy just as we're talking about. It. Like I'm so happy for everyone. But this is the, except for Steve. This is the thing, right? This is the bit. This is the bit that makes me think this is the like this. This is the season that reestablishes a new norm, right? Mm-hmm. So it puts us in a place to take off Reset. next season. Yeah, it yep. resets it a little bit. It puts us, and it was mo- a lot of this season seemed to be getting us to a point where they can tell the next story mm. properly, right? This sort of had to like finish off some of the stuff from last season, but didn't. It wasn't able to tell a whole wholly new story yet. No. And I, so I feel mean about like the growing pains. It's a transition to one thing to the next. Yeah, yeah. and I, I feel like this is ready for a new story, mm-hmm. something that's mm-hmm. a little bit different from the last yep. two, which is exciting. Um, and yeah, and then, yeah, sorry, Eleven and Mike dance and hook up. And they hook up. It's wonderful. The whole <laughs> so thing's wonderful. Cute. Then we pan out and we flash to the uh, upside down and we see the shadow monster still around. Cool, the end. Yeah. And the lights are up for some reason in the upside down there, like the dance is going on there too. It's weird. I, I Inconsistent rules. Yeah. Um, we need to start wrapping this up because we've been talking for an hour and 43 minutes now. Holy shit. Um, let's just go through a couple of things. Is there anything else about the epilogue you want to talk about specifically? I mean, I just have notes that we haven't spoken about yet. Go on. That I can bring up. <laughs> go for it. You you, t- you take over. Um, I think because... Okay, we have season one where this huge thing happens to this group of people. Mm-hmm. And then like season two is the exploration. And I touched a little bit on this just before. It's the exploration of the effect of... Tra- the aftermath. Of trauma on yes. people and how different people deal with it. And I yep. thought that was, you know, a really interesting step to take. Um, cause generally you, you know, you have a season with a big bad, it ends and then the next season starts and they're just dealing with another big bad yep. and you never get a pause where people are actually kind of using their own personal mechanisms to kind of navigate through what just happened. Yep. Um, so like we see in the beginnings of the show, you know, everyone trying to figure out a way to do that. Uh, you know, like, do you act normal? Like, um, Dr. Owen suggests, do you stare it in the face and tell it to go away? Do we lean on one another, um, in all of our vulnerability or do we protect those around us and just like pretend that nothing's going on? 
Um, and I think the show is at its best when it's focusing on those those things. Um, yeah, and it feels you know a little lost when it branches out into things like that feels superfluous, like Dustin and Dart and that kind of thing. Um, and I like while I was watching it for the longest time, I was the stories felt so disconnected mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, it's lost it a bit. Yep. But then as like the, the thought of trauma and the exploration of trauma, um, I was focusing more on that. I'm like, well, well, that's what happens is when people are dealing with so much stuff internally that of course they're going to branch off a little bit. doesn't mean it was satisfying to watch that happen, yeah. but I can kind of understand thematically why it was. Um, so yeah, that's just, I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, no, I think that's a really mm. good observation and you often have good observations like this. I think more thematic stuff that the meta side of things that I don't always see. Because I, I, p- I deal guess, purely in emotion. <laughs> well, I, I, I tend to focus on the, the mechani- mechanistic side of things yeah. and you, you see the bigger picture sometimes that I miss. Um, that's a really good point actually. And you're right. It's interesting how this is sort of like, it does feel like part two of that story, which is good because it doesn't repeat part one, is very much a building on part one. Mm. But it does feel like it's rounded that out now, doesn't it? Yes. As, the, as though I we can so. move on to something yeah. else now. Again, that was like Cora season two. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was there anything else? Um, I'm interested. Sorry, don't don't rush, by the way. I Now that I think about it, there is a lot to talk about here. We I'm usually happy talk for like I'm, two hours. <laughs> I'm happy for this to go over two hours because it's a, it's a, it, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. It's a good enough show that's worth talking about, so please do go. Um, I want your opinions. Um, it's, I mean, there's not a lot to go there, and I think we're probably going to deal with it more in the future, but mm-hmm. your opinions on the kind of L versus Max kind of thing that happens. Um, and I, oh, right, yeah. I hope it doesn't really continue. I don't think it will. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping it I was... I think it was really contrived. One of my least favourite bits with, with when Eleven... When she just happens to walk in in that one moment that Mike is talking, yeah. that yeah, that was Again, so convenient. I was like, Brod's going to hate this yeah. moment. It was, it's another one of those convenient staying to take rot moments yeah. Um, yeah. for me, and that was one of them. And also, I just... I like. I can kind of see you could easily argue that Eleven is a little emotionally immature and that mm. she is going to re- have these sorts of yeah. high school drama moments. But it's like I didn't need that in this show. Well, let's see. I just like that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's just a little moment, um, a little hiccup, and that in the future we we have the ability to explore because we know how important the boys are to each other. Yeah. Perhaps a female friendship would be nice to see. That in the would future. be good because I would hate to see. Worst if, case scenario here is, is it's any, two yeah. girl versus girl if, in this group. That's what I want. I don't suck. want competitiveness yes. just because they're two girls. I really don't want that. Yes. And if they did that, I'd be incredibly annoyed and disappointed. Oh, I, I hope not and I doubt it. I don't think so. I think I th- It'd be good if they were friends. I yeah. agree. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. I know yeah. I know. you always look for your female friendships. Female soon. friendships because I don't have any friends. No, that's not true. But it's just nice because to see it reflected on yeah, TV. Totally. Yeah. Um, just while we're there then, while Max we're talking about Max. Yeah, let's just talk about Max and Billy for a second as the new inclusions. I'm covering my show. face. I just... Well, I was going to talk about the new inclusions in general because there are okay. four main ones. Max and Billy being the obvious ones. You've already said that you don't think there's much to Max. And I agree. Max is sort of... I don't know what her role is really in this season, apart from the love story with Lucas and dividing those two kind of for a bit, that that's not really ever really jeopardy. The one thing that she's just a point of conflict, but at the same, while simultaneously, we don't really know who she is. We know know only that she's come to Hawkins with her now step, Father and stepbrother, mm. and is that right? Step is it stepmother and step uh, stepbrother? No, stepfather. Yeah, that's right. And 
we do learn a little bit about her history, and we know she's got a lot of tood, and we know that she is good at Dig Dug, I guess. We know that she's, she's the got cool girl that comes in, and the guy's uh, divided because of her presence, yeah, yeah. and Mike is angry that she's there. Her impact is more on the boys than it is for her to be a character outright. Yeah, which is, I don't like. Yeah. Again, it'll be interesting to see what happens in future seasons. It does feel like there is going to be a lot more for them to do. Mm. It's mainly because Billy is there... He is there and he has that one scene uh, with his dad, which I was like, oh my God, we have our Steve for this year, for this season, where we kind of got to see that Steve wasn't just the pretty boy douchebag. There was another layer to him. While Billy is a complete fucking a-hole and probably a racist by the looks of things. Yeah, right. That, that was one of my questions. Like, is he just he a racist? He didn't outright say it, but it certainly seemed when he says you shouldn't hang out with people like him, you yeah. got the feeling that he meant because he was black. Yeah. Um. Also, um, on that point as well, I did love the conversation about um, why he didn't dress up as Ray, in, uh, why Lucas wasn't Ray in their Ghostbusters thing, yeah, why he good. wanted to be... Well, who would want to be him? Is it it's just because I'm black? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, thank valid. you for addressing that. Yeah. That is extremely valid and well mm-hmm. done on that. Just Because yeah. ad- any other show, they would actually just make him that character. Absolutely. It's the mm-hmm. obvious thing to do. And I, the way they handled it was just like, perfect. Just have yeah. that conversation and move on. Because mm-hmm. they were 100% right in everything they said. Absolutely. And I completely sided with Lucas on that one, and Mike mm. was wrong. The um, but then the Billy thing. Mike with, is often wrong. Yes, yeah. he is. <laughs> the Billy bit with his stepdad was as a scene. It gave him some depth, and I think what the actor is doing with that character was really good. If you're going to choose a guy to be a mild douchebag, he played that role perfectly to a T. It just he served, was a sociopath. Yes, it just served no purpose to the plot except to give Steve a fight. In the last episode, or the second last episode, this this character of Billy, and I'm sure something's going to happen in the future. Blah, I would, blah, blah. I'll but tell you what, if it doesn't, you're just going to look back and then go, "What the fuck was that about?" Well, that's the thing that hasn't happened yet. Yes, that's right. And this is just this season, 100% so agree. it makes you go, "What the fuck? Yes, yes. is this guy doing here?" If yes. you don't have anything, not a single important thing for him to do yeah. in this season. Why the fuck is he here? It gives Max a little bit of a victory that she's able to like, her struggle has been against him and she gets to tell him to fuck off and never come in, you know, be a part of her life again. But basically. even that small victory for a character who also yeah, has, has very little yeah. to do, who we have yeah. practically no emotional connection to. What the fuck is he doing here? Yeah. You're spot on. It's oh. it's that thing where it's like if I assess it in this season as we are meant to do with this show, mm. it is completely what the fuck. Yeah. But this is what this is where Stranger Things changed this season, and we have to reconcile with that that this is it's easier to understand these baffling decisions when you recognise that it's building, knowing there is going to be more story, is building into its next two seasons. It's not excusing it. It just, I, I, I don't excuse that. Yes, I think if you're going to introduce fair. a character, you've got to do something with them. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, what about uh, Dr. Owens, uh, played by the, the the husband from Mad About You? Paul Reisner, I think his Paul name Reisner, is. Paul Reisner, yeah. Um, and the, uh, yeah, that was my reference point for him as well. But also when he's he was, in Aliens or something, but I haven't seen that. He's also in Whiplash. Um, he plays oh, the dad. The main, his dad. And yeah. so when he was talking to uh, Will about what his favourite candy is, mm. I was like, it's... Chocolate raisins in popcorn. I know that. Oh. That's your favorite one. Anyway, that's cute. Um, what I I really liked him. Yeah, because I, I, at the beginning I was like, oh, you're so bad because you're so nice. You're so evil. Um, he was complicated. Yeah, which I liked I, him a lot. Like he 
has this huge task ahead of him, this impossible thing before him. So how do you balance that with, you know, saving the universe, saving the world? Yep. And also seeing humans in front of you who are struggling to understand the thing that has personally affected them. Yeah. Um, so he's not overly sappy. He's not overly distant. He's just trying to find that balance. And he is a person. He seems fully realized, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah was, no, I'm a big fan of what He was not just Brenner 2.0. No. He was... Not while, at all. While, he, while it, sometimes it felt like that's where they were going with it, that wasn't ultimately what happened. Which I like that they were alluding that... If you're a part of that organization or that government agency, you're always going to be the big bad guy. Yeah. That's not what it is. It's, you know, he's a person. Yeah. Well, and he has, it's surprising he gets a lot of screen time, really. And one of the his highlight scenes for me is when he's helping guide Bob through <gasps> the scenario, yeah. which leads us to the last character that's worth talking I about. I want to do it. Bob, Bob Neary, Bob the Brain, <laughs> Sean Astin. How cool is it to see Sean Astin and uh, Winona Ryder as a couple? Yeah, it's pretty great. He is such a lovable dork. Oh my goodness! I saw an amazing. uh, I don't know if it was a video or a tweet or something about how fucking. Oh no! It was an article. It was like a Pajiba article, I think it was, about how Sean Astin is so under fucking valued. Mm. How he always gets used for these roles, and he. Kills it every time. He's your Samwise Gamgee. He's your Bob Neary. He's the reliable guy who <laughs> just gets yeah. thrown aside f- to serve he other people's plots. Gets the job done. Gets the job done. Yeah. Both as an With actor very little thanks. and as a character. Um, mm-hmm. It. He is great. He is so likable and lovable. And his sacrifice, as obvious as it is, yeah. that's going to happen, is truly heartbreaking to yeah. see. I... In the beginning, I was like, I'm so glad to see Joyce happy. I yes. I actually wrote, I'm overjoyed to see her happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I made myself yes. laugh on that one. Good. Uh, <laughs> Deservedly so. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, it was lovely to see her happy, but I didn't necessarily care about Bob. Sure. Um, until... And it was, it, it, was, it was gradual until we see how helpful he is. Yes. How willing to help. He is how without good at helping question. he is without yeah. question. Yeah. And we see that comes from a place of adoration. Yes. For Joyce. Yes. And the things that she's up against raising two boys. And we see the moment where he's helping to parent Will. And while ultimately it turned out to be bad advice, if he was just a straight, you know, stepdad, father figure, amazing advice. Yeah. In that story, he's telling a story that's relatable. He's making himself vulnerable in that story, talking about, you know, his own struggles, how he needed his mum as well, um, but also showed him a way through it. Yeah. I was, like, I was like, like, I think there was that moment I was like, I love you, Bob. Like, I think you're such a beautiful person. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just... Too, con- too good for this world. <sighs> when he's... I'm going to get emotional just talking about when he's going through that building and because it feels like, oh, he's going to die. Yeah. He's going to die. I wanted the surprise to be that he doesn't. Yeah. So I was like, I really, I really hope that's the surprise. Sometimes and- characters need to die. Sometimes. <laughs> and like, this is the problem with introducing a character like that because he is a sacrificial lamb. They're not going to kill off Hopper. They're not no. going to kill off Joyce. They're not going to kill off Will or Mike. But someone, you need to lose something you love sometimes to keep the yeah. jeopardy going. And but I love that they were actually able to make me love him. Yes, it's very impressive to do that. It's it's why episode seven sucks so much. It's like mm. you could. I know Bob was given a bit more time than yeah. that, but it's like you did it so well. Mm-hmm. You know what you're doing here, yeah. but you couldn't couldn't even slightly replicate yeah. that in the other one. I want to say I was 
crying real heavy when he died. Yeah. Really. I was inconsolable. And I just like, I had to like stop. I had to have a break and like go and like just have a cry to my girlfriend because I'm like, I can't. I'm like, it's this awful this thing happened and now i'm this and because i couldn't i couldn't give her spoilers so i couldn't explain what happened but i was just like i'm just really emotional and you need to know that and i need a hug um yeah it hit me pretty fucking hard well, and i will read reiterate again i was drunk so <laughs> just imagine like the feelings you felt about bob dying plus being really wasted gotcha. so you, it's just the next level the worst thing in the world has happened yeah liam liam i remember liam commented to me it's like i didn't need to see the bit where he's just being eaten by yeah. the demo dog. He's like, that's too much. I was like, eh, whatever. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, poor Joyce. Like, she's found this beautiful man. And oh, yeah. Mind you, the show is leaning pretty heavily on the idea that eventually her and Hopper are going to end up together. I hope not. Oh, it's happening. There's I no know. way it's not I happening. I know. And they have incredible sexual chemistry. I know it's that's happening. That's the thing, right? And it's like the bit, I actually love the scene. But where I'm loyal to Bob forever for some reason now. Sure. Yeah. But I, it's like, as much as Joyce definitely does care about Bob, I don't think she loves Bob. Right, like he's a nice I, guy. I think she loves the i. I don't think, I think she loves Bob. Yeah. I but I think she has seen too much to be able to love him the way that like, the way that they could love each other equally. Yes, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, they're there's, in two there's different worlds. Very different. Yeah. yeah. The there's that scene with Joyce and Hopper where he gives her a cigarette and like they talk about when they used to oh, smoke yeah. behind the stairs and stuff mm. and like. I I've, I know I gushed about David Harbour last time, but just because I haven't mm. yet really this episode, David Harbour is fucking great. Mm. I love him. He's such good casting. Um, he and there's the, his face, just the way his eyes sort of crinkle when he's talking about like he's remembering when they were teenagers and stuff. Yeah. And there's a bit as well. This is also brought up in this Pajab article. I'm just stealing things from now. <laughs> that they're talking when they're talking about how Bob is so. He's so unjustified, poor Sean Aston. When they find Hopper in the tunnel and like Hopper and Joyce hug. There's a moment. And, and there's a and moment. And then it's just like. And then Joyce is like, hey, Bob. Yeah. Hey, Hopper. And yeah. it's like, and essentially, as this article says, it's like, essentially Hopper's saying, I'm going to fuck you, your uh, girlfriend one day, but no, uh, thanks he's anyway. No, he's not saying that. No, I That's just, exactly what no. is being said. No. Uh, Absolutely not. What? Uh, did you have anything else? That was the new inclusions, but I didn't want to talk about that. Um... I don't think so. No, I think that's it. Okay. A couple of other little things just quickly before we get to wrapping this up. Um, we talked about the slow build. I think one of the things... Did you notice that this was a much funnier season, particularly at the start? It replaced... Because there were no... Because there wasn't a lot of thrills going on. This is where my heart... Um, what would I say? Uh, extra heart hold the thrills. So when I say extra heart, I think I'm really talking about... The Hopper and Eleven stuff being mm-hmm. very focused on their connection, this father-daughter thing. The Bob stuff as well. Um, uh, yeah, there was there's a lot of that stuff going on, which is good, but it wasn't as thrilling, especially early on when it was a slow build. And to compensate for there not being excitement, they put in a lot of humour. A lot of humour. Dustin's mum is quite funny. Oh, yeah. There's... The moment where he's coming home from Halloween trick or treating, yeah, and, he's, and got, he's got the thing in the, and they just like stare at each other and laugh. The laughing, it yeah. made that that got me a lot. I thought that was really funny. Totally, both those actors just matching each other. That was great. Um. Oh, by the way, the whole thing with the uh, with Dart. Have you seen Evolution? The day. Uh, oh, a long time ago. Yeah, it's basically the same yeah. plot. That. Okay. Um. Just put it out there because why not? Because I like to reference things. The. <laughs> 
Um, what else was there that was just... All, uh, yeah, lots of stuff with Dustin. Dustin was given a lot to do that was funny. Stephen was given a lot to do that was funny as well. Um, there was the bit where even the teacher was being really hammy when he's talking about... Like, hey, you know, welcome to on our science adventure thing. He's, I know he's in classroom. He's being journey really of discovery, to, journey something. of discovery, and mm. stuff. Or Dustin again. It's a lot of Dustin in the library talking about. I need my paddles, and like, <laughs> there was just they really, yeah. really focused on the humor mm-hmm. a lot, and there was nothing wrong with that. But it did give the show a very different feel because while it was always funny-ish, it was never this outright jokey laugh stuff mm-hmm. that they were doing. It was more just like little asides and timing things with Dustin. And, and stuff they very like that, rarely yeah. ended on a moment where he's like, Dustin walks away going, that's good, right? 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 Dragging it out into a joke. Mm. It would sort of just be inside another scene. Um, so I wanted to bring that up. Did you, did you notice that? Did that affect you at all? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> the answer was no to that. Um, the other thing I wanted to do is the nostalgia side of things again. We talked about this with season one, mm-hmm. about how it's obviously very much an 80s homage and so forth. Did you think that maybe they went a little over the top this season with that stuff, like more than season one? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Holy shit. Yeah. So many, like, I know they did a little bit of this in season one with like Eleven watching the TV and the Egos and the ads and stuff mm-hmm. like that for Coke. Fucking, there's a KFC one in there. There's a McDonald's one in there. There is all the, like, uh, Family Feud. There's a lot of TV stuff. So much music, like all the music. Is all the music exclusively eighties? I think so. Yeah, but I, well, Which I, it wasn't first season. It well, m- there was more soundtrack than there was. There was more sorry original score than there mm. was like licensed music, and I wrote a comment as well. It was like I wish they'd put some of this extra budget they can't. They obviously have into some of their visual effects instead of into their licensed music budget because it. Mm. It's so much. There is so much like the music. It's not bad, but it just does hit you over the head a lot. It's unnecessary to yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, Especially when the score is so good. Why not just yeah, go back to that? When we, when we were talking about like why, like why is it important to set it in the 80s? And we were like, well, plot-wise it works because you, you don't have phones. Yes. Um, but And like that feeling of nostalgia, while nice, not particularly necessary, I think you can do like base that story now and just because of the way that story runs, what that story is, you will get that sense of nostalgia anyway. Yeah. Um, whereas the 80s stuff in this season is there because it's 80s stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's very different and it feels very different. Yeah. Yeah. It did feel just a little more hit you over the head sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I, th- I I think we said this last time, some people had a criticism of the 80s stuff in season one that it was mainly just a nostalgia play and we disagreed a lot, I think, mm-hmm. with that. Yep. This time around, I think that criticism is actually real. I don't think it's the thing that keeps me invested or the thing that I'm most interested in, but I really felt it this time around, which I didn't yep. feel it last season. There was an article in Vice that I was reading early today um, that was about how the nostalgia gets in the way of the story, and I don't agree with that because, mm. well, there are points in that article that I did agree with, and I, I'm just really vague and I can't actually recall. What where did you say the article was from? It was in Vice. Okay, cool. Um, well, there's some points that I did agree with. I, they said that it was all tropes and it was all nostalgia and therefore we had no character. And I don't agree with that. Um, and they were referencing Steve when they were talking about that. I was like, well, that's just completely wrong. Yeah. Um, but I can see why people would certainly feel 
um, that way about this season more than season one, in which it's just it's just so chock a block with that stuff that it can be distracting from character. I feel like in this time around, there was more moments of me going, "Oh, that's a reference." Oh, that's a reference. Yeah. Oh, that's a reference. And I've written them down. They're in my um, quick fire comments. So I'll just come up with those when I get there. But mm-hmm. there is a lot of, oh, that's that. I oh, was going to write my those references in my quick fire comments. But I was like, but who cares? I care. <laughs> I don't care about references. Fair enough. That's not why I'm watching this show. All right. Are we ready to uh, get into quick fire comments? I think we are. I have a lot. And I'm going to really quickfire these. I know we call them quickfire comments. I'm going to blitz through them as fast as I can. So I'll only buzz on really important Only buzz if you really think you've got something to add to it. You ready? Here we go. Quickfire comments round one start. Uh, The Talking Heads, Freaks and Geeks reference. Uh, This is a show... Of course not, because obviously Talking Heads is an AC. Anyway, this is 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 a show of clingy men. Uh, Mike played... (laughs) What? This is a show of clingy men. So Bob and uh, Dustin and uh, Steve and Mike. It's just very clingy men. Okay. Uh, Mike plagiarizing essays. The cursing out and stuff I can imagine. Half doing his assignments I can imagine. Just copying someone else's seems out of character for him. Uh, Love the Venkman Wish discussion said that. When a writer looks like she's constantly about to hiccup. Steve and Nancy dressed as... (laughs) (laughs) That's all I've got to (laughs) Go on. Stephen Nancy dressed as Risky Business. I want to believe Bob's Dracula is based on Christopher Lee's Dracula because Christopher Lee was in The Lord of the Rings. The Phyllis Gage story is actually really fascinating. The one that the science teacher's talking about. Really, really good stuff. We learned about that in science. We I did. I already know that story. It's yeah. a great story. Uh, the Hopper Dance is pretty great. That song reminds me of the DuckTales theme song at the beginning. I was sure that was going to be Chekhov's Tripwire. It wasn't. People... <laughs> What? So oh, the one he the sets tripwire, up. Yeah, yeah, sorry, they yeah. set, it didn't amount to anything in the end except for stepping over it. People don't sit on cars enough anymore. The point Mike makes about the Death Star is highly debatable. He's suggesting that anyone who comes to the Death Star um, must be a bad guy or something along those lines. There would have been many contractors on the Death Star who weren't soldiers and were just there to provide food, recreational facilities, entertainment, etc. There were plenty of people who were probably not evil on the Death Star. Is that in one of those videos we watch where they do the review and it goes into depth... I know that was something I've brought up before, based on a comic, uh, Penny Arcade comic about okay, reading. Okay, we must have just had that Star. conversation yeah. before. Yeah, I think I could. It could be from something else as well. I don't know. Uh, I love the detail of Joyce having all the tape on her jacket when she's taping the stuff onto the wall. Um, oh, I didn't notice that little bit because that's got something to do with my quick fire comments. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, you want a single or a double? I feel like this line was either written or delivered wrong. If she was going to do her little uh, Leah, she should have said double or a single not the other way around this is the when they go when Nancy and Jonathan are staying in the hotel do you want a single or a double it should have been do you want a double yeah right I had no idea what you're talking about yeah that's true yeah uh, the scar on their hand bit also almost makes up for them cutting their hands like idiots in the first place. Uh, Indiana Jones reference with the hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some good lying from Dustin to make his mum get out of the house, but it was not sustainable. He is going to be fucked when she gets back. Um, was Nancy and Jonathan in their separate bedrooms bit a Temple of Doom reference? Some alien shit there with the hazmat suits in the tunnel. Uh, who is this fucking annoying old lady on the bus? Go away. I don't want to talk to you. Um, this just turned into Jurassic Park. Sean Astin is the new Max. Hopper is Laura Dern. Uh, <laughs> Sean Astin, once again, with weapon in one hand and light source in the other, waiting for the giant spider. I was about to say, they can open doors. Poor Bob. Um, like the Germans, uh, the Nazis. Hopper, face palms. What is that, everyone? Morse code. Um, phones don't survive in the buyer house. 
that was just a dead set Velociraptor sound. What the hell is this? Where have you been? Where have you been? Hug. That bit got me. I thought it was really wonderful. Um, Mrs. Willow likes him young. The kids are left alone again, just like in season one, except they've got Steve this time, but that doesn't count. Um, is an Exodus reference. Uh, and that's it. That's it. That was, that was the end of it. Beautiful. That, uh, that was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I thought it was wonderful. Hopefully that was legible. It was a lot, as I said. Sorry. Mm, no, to, don't apologise. Damask, it's your, your turn. All right, here are You got the buzzer ready? I really believed what you just said there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I don't have that many. So. Oh, thank Christ. Um, all right, here are my quick five comments. Start the clock. Nancy looks great with her short hair. I just had an image of Hopper trying to explain periods to Elle. <laughs> I'm not opposed to the Dustin and Dart stories, just there's so much going on. This season definitely feels a little disjointed. Dart ate the cat, and I'm so fucking upset about that, particularly since I have a plump ginger myself. I did think of you when I saw yeah, Muse like my I was cat like, Millie. that looks just like Millie. Yeah, I was like, oh, I can't deal with this. Uh, Joyce must have an endless supply of blue tack, but now I know she had tape on her yep. jacket. Uh, I love Joyce working with the boys. It's pretty cute. Uh, oh, I do have a reference in here. What's 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 at the X? Pirate treasure is a Goonies reference. Liam brought that as well. I haven't seen Goonies, so oh, I didn't yeah, get that right. one. But yeah, um, yeah, I love that Bob is in the useless stepdad. He helps. He has a purpose. I'm trying to concentrate on this episode, but it's full of characters I don't care about, and my cat is being really cute right now. So I'm using that's episode seven. That's seven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Millie Bobby Brown, that's her name, right? Yes. Yeah, Millie Bobby Brown looks like John Cusack from Say Anything in this episode with that blazer that's and hair. That's exactly what Liam said. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, no, he said Joan Cusack. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, Cusack, all the same. Uh, when she, when Eleven is choking out that dude, I'm like, that's a real Darth Vader move. Another Star Wars reference, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the pile of Bob's puzzles when they go back to the house. Oh, that hurt a lot. Uh, seeing Hopper carry Will in a blanket does something to me. It's so paternal. I was just like, I fucking love you, Hopper. Uh, Billy is the nega Steve. Uh, you watch Rick and Morty and, and Hive Minds are all fun and games until one of them starts choking Joyce. I wish Will was still gay. Um, anyone that says no to Dustin is a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> That's the end. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you, Damas. All right. Let's start wrapping this up. Least favourite and favourite episodes... Episode seven, episode seven for all the favorite. reasons we we've said. already said so many. Yeah. So much about that. Favorite episode. Right, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. I said episode eight, the Mind <laughs> Flayer. Oh no, really? Yeah. Have we done it again? Yeah, we have. Oh, I just the action sequences in this episode. Yeah. Fantastic. The tension. Yeah. Is so good. Like yeah. I am on the edge of my seat the entire time, and yeah. I think the Duffer Brothers do that wonderfully mm-hmm. they're so good at that tension and action sequences um what else obviously we lose bob which yes. is an emotional hit that i'd kind of been waiting for i think yeah um yeah i just think it's a fantastic episode and i mean it doesn't hurt that it came after episode seven <laughs> yeah. where i was like oh no uh, but yeah it's gonna be mind flayer for me yeah I, I was the same same reasons that opening bit um, with very Jurassic Park stuff going on mm. inside, where they have to turn the light switches back on and everything, the power back on. Fuck, it's so much like that. It's not funny. That's a 90s reference, though. That's not a 90s reference. It's just a Spielberg reference, I guess. Um, yeah, that mm. bit's great at the start. we That's also the episode that, where they have to put Will inside the shed. And they have to like black it out and stuff. That's is su- it? yes, it is. Yeah, because episode nine is where they have to move him and then go and deal. And the- oh yes, it is. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because mm. that's that's that episode. It's that's, that's a great 
really good idea. And I actually wrote down as I was watching that bit that the way that shot, just the scene where it's just Will and mm. blackness around them and um, like Mike and stuff are talking to him about like yeah. their memories their of memories. him and stuff like that is really, really well written, really well performed mm-hmm. and really well shot for a and show. There's nothing going on. Because it's just retelling memories and you've got kids in it, it could go so badly because yeah. that's really hard to do and they nail it. I also love like things like they've taped up the chair so they wouldn't so they wouldn't recognize the it. It's details, a, yeah, the right? kitchen chair and things like that. Yeah. Like cuz you see that the people there are really smart yes. and they're all thinking together yes. and working together. Yeah, it's very And good. that's the bit it's like because I think the other thing that happens here is all of a sudden all our people are together again. It's like the end of season yeah. one where they're all together in the gym and they're getting the mm. um, deprivation tank ready for yeah. 11. It's a similar sort of scenario. Yeah. The only difference the- I think is in season one, you're kind of waiting for them all to come together because yeah. they all have like little different bits of knowledge about the same thing. We don't have that they're same, sort of circling around each other that that same season, feeling yeah. of payoff that we do in season one, but it's still really like satisfying to see. But when you get them together, I think I think it's still, yeah, it's this different sort of satisfaction, but it's like, mm. oh, everyone's back together again. Yay. They're working together yeah. again and it's a cool plan. And like the way that that, that plan sort of comes undone with the phone, I think is very clever too. It's mm-hmm. an easy little detail to miss. And, like, the whole thing with the Morse code is kind of cool. Yeah. And, like, I really like that episode a lot. Mm-hmm. Though I do want to give an honourable mention to episode four, which... <gasps> that was... <laughs> I've got that in my notes. Like, cons- like definitely consider episode four. It, it was my favourite up until eight. Mm-hmm. And it was because, essentially, it's where the plot started to, like, happen. Yep. Like, we got through that sort of three-episode build-up and then... Will's had that moment on the field and everything's starting to go to shit for Will and Joyce and it just starts to happen there. And Hop, I think that's the episode with the fight with Hopper and Eleven as well. And like, yeah. It's when like yeah, the, the pace starts to pick up, which is what we've been waiting for. It moves for. into Act 2, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, it's a, it's it was when I was like, oh, cool. Okay. I'm really back into the show now. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was my favorite episode. Um Okay, final score and ranking. Ranking, I'm just going to say straight up, this is definitely <laughs> I think we've stated it, below yeah. episode one, below season one. Yeah. What do you rate it, though? I'm five? giving it a 3.5. Okay, cool. Um, which from season one is a whole point difference. Yes. Uh, it's the, like I said, I for me, the heart is missing. Um, and that is the driving force that is Joyce. I felt she wasn't as important, and that was sad for me because I loved her so much. Um, the the pacing was very slow. I wasn't wanting to consume these episodes the way I did the first season. Sure. Um, there's, yeah, there's just, obviously we have Max and Billy, which I think for them, a big misstep for me, yep. really big. Um, we've also got... Episode seven. Yeah, episode seven. I almost want to rip it out wholesale. It's like bad. Which we did not have a bad episode yeah. in season one. Um so yeah. So it's it's gotta be three point five for me. Um, I'm going to agree with you on 3.5. I was teetering on four. Good, I'm glad we've got all the same answers. No, no, I know, I know, <laughs> but I was teetering on four, but yeah. The then I remember that I gave last seat. I was trying to choose between four and four point five for strengthening season one. Mm. And like, if I think season one can be a four, well, this can't be a four, right? Yeah. It's got to be a three point five. I think you're right. I disagree with you on a couple of things. I think the heart is still there. I think the heart is what's missing. I think I got enough Joyce for myself, mm-hmm. though I understand when 
her performance is like why she's so great in season one. Mm. It sucks there's a little bit less of her. Yeah. But I love the Hopper and Eleven stuff. I don't think I love that as much as you do. Yeah, I think I yeah. like that more than you. Yeah. Um, I, agree I think it was the- a little too hard and emotionally like trying for me to be like, oh, this is the hard. Like it was, it, there was so much conflict between them that, um, yeah, I, I did. It didn't fill me with, I think, the thing that I associate with heart. I yeah, guess. sure. Mm. Um, I love Will is uh, is fantastic, Phenomenal. so yeah, good absolutely. in this season. Um, the Bob stuff's great. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely missteps here. Oh yeah, the Dustin and Dart stuff was a misstep for me as well. Yeah, and I, I don't think I hated that as much as you did. I look at it and go, that's problematic. But it, 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 the thing was as well, he turned. He I didn't, didn't hate it. It just felt like another thing. Just uh, just another thing added on. You wonder like, if this should have been... This was nine episodes versus eight season, episodes. And you mm. wonder if this could have been an episode less. I mean, you could have just taken episode seven <laughs> completely. But yeah. like, if you just slowed it down a little bit... The thing that I also did differently to you is I didn't think that... I actually was eating these up pretty well. As much as it was a slow build-up and it didn't grab me as immediately mm. as season one did, I was I would have kept going if I didn't... Realized I had six hours of sleep before I had to get up to go yeah. to work. I would have kept watching. I, like no I, problem. I consume this in uh, in two different sessions. So I, I, still I like, was like three or four, but right, I was so still, I was still like consume it. But it's big. I was consuming it one because we have to watch it in a short time sure, frame, yeah. but also because I was waiting for the that feeling to come back for the thing to happen. Yes. Uh, whereas in season one, I was like, this is awesome. This is awesome. I want more. I want more. This is awesome. And that's not why I was consuming it as fast as I was. Yeah. It makes me appreciate again, just how good season one was, but it's still really good television compared to most oh, television. Absolutely. Which I'm we say a lot about the shows that we watch because we're watching generally high standards It's because we're television. choosing the shows we watch. It's yeah. true. But as, many, as much as it does have its missteps, there is definitely enough for me to, to really enjoy this season. I think testament to the fact that I have watched it twice. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. and enjoyed it a lot the second time as I'm well. I'm looking forward to watching it again. I um, really am. Yeah. So... I I think a three point five, even a high three point five, mm-hmm. might be for me. Um, season one really is a, a very high bar to yeah. to to try. Yeah, I and certainly surpass. didn't envy them going into season two no. after yeah the love people had for season one. What gives me hope is that while yes, it's not as good as season one, a we can see the groundwork for future seasons, and b it still wasn't bad. It was still good, mm-hmm. and yeah, I I think. I think I can look forward to another season with slightly lower expectations yes. and just look forward to Probably seeing more where things go. more realistic expectations for me. Maybe I think. realistic is yeah. a better word for it. Um, but yeah, okay. when, whenever I've spoken to people about season two um, and they've asked me about it and they haven't watched it, I always end it with, but it, but it's really good. And I absolutely, like, it's great television. We did a lot of criticizing this episode. Criticizing is often a lot easier than it is than praising. Mm-hmm. Um, I, something I did mention is just, I did mention a couple of times, but it's still visually extremely good too. Mm-hmm. There's some, there's that shot of Hopper in the tunnel that it start when he first gets there and there's this like thong, thong sound happening from the soundtrack and the, and it switches. turns it oh, upside yeah. down. And it's like, that is, fu- that's iconic, that image. It's, Beautiful. So well executed. Mm-hmm. And as I said, that scene in the shed, I'm just like, this could be in a movie, man. TV. Ugh, so good. Um, do we want to keep watching? Yes. Yeah. 
I'm really looking forward to season three whenever it comes. Apparently, it's going to be a little while, probably another year and a half or so. So I, I can wait. They've apparently started writing it, but they're early stages, yep. from what I understand. Take well, as long as you need to they, do something great. They have suggested that it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. It's going to feel more different than the other two, which, which I, think, I, I think we understand after seeing what has happened this season and that we, we both said it's a reset. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I think that's, a, that's where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. Hopefully... It can um, it can recapture the magic of season one again, but we'll see. Um, expectations is said more realistic, um, yeah. And also, this just didn't end as satisfyingly as the first. As, long, as even though it has a happy epilogue, yeah, it doesn't feel quite like an ending like season one had. Anyway, yeah, I wasn't like, oh, we've really gone on a journey, and this is where we are now. I yeah. didn't quite have that feeling that I did in season one. Predictions, hopes, concerns. Um, I hope with the reset that gives them so many more options to find those little things that they love that they found for Stranger Things yes. and turning that into something really cool with so many more options. Yeah. Um, that, that's what I'm, I'm hoping they have the opportunity to do that with the amount of time they've got and with the reset. Um, I'm... Oh, no, I'm just hoping it's good. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping it's not a slow decline into something that is, you know, just another show. I, I predict it will be a step up again. I don't know whether any season will ever be season one good. Again, the, the season one just has the luxury of being a complete whole. Yeah. Um, these other seasons, this is going to be a, more like a middle season. Ending seasons tend to be problematic, so season four won't likely be. I'm hoping... If we continue on the Cora train, that season three is season three of Cora, which I think is fucking great. <laughs> season three mm-hmm. of Cora, I think, is better than any season of Avatar, and I fucking love Avatar, so I really love that show. So, so I just because I watched Cora twice, I think, but is season three the last season? No, season four is. Okay, season three. I mean, season season four is some great stuff going on. Don't get me wrong, oh. I love oh. that. Oh, yeah. Next year we're going to talk about Cora, right? <laughs> I'm putting that out there now. We, we have to do it because we I keep referencing it. it. Yeah. Um, season three has the Red Lotus stuff, though. Mm. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, yeah, boy, that's, that's right. a great yep. season. Anyway, mm. um, I predict that's what will happen with Stranger Things. I, re- I, I think so. I think season three is set up to be a bit redemptive after this just had to get some stuff done this mm. season, I feel like. And it suffered because of it. But I think they have a clear idea of where the show needs to go. They were able to get some of that d- stuff out of the way now, and we can now go to that next go place. Forth. Go mm. forth. I don't have any specific. Yeah, I've got um, no idea. I didn't know how you would that, though, start. Doing except that. that I suppose Billy and Max will be brought into the fold somehow. Imagine if we never see them again. But yeah, boy, oh boy. <laughs> my actually, that was my one prediction. Was that was the theory I had about the journalist. I predict that the Russia side of things Ooh, yeah, will be like coming to it. I think that's really cool. I, that's I my that's a great prediction. Idea. Mm. I hope you're right because that sounds really awesome. I think that's it. This is going to be a two and a half hour podcast. Um, Back th- to the usual then. <laughs> yeah. No, we haven't had one this long in a while, but I think it deserved it. But we used to have them pretty consistently, we is what I'm saying. We did. That is true. If you would like to contact us and tell us to shorten these episodes, you can do so by finding <laughs> us on Facebook by searching for Hunting Season. You can find us on Twitter at Hunting Cast. You can email us at HuntingSeasonsPodcast at gmail.com. You can find myself on Twitter, Broderick Gordis, at B Gordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. Mm. 
You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Thank you very much, Sean Kirkpatrick, for our wonderful hunting season's logo and graphics. You can find his work at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net or on Instagram at seanieboydraws. Thank you also to Jordan Calavis for our hunting season's theme song. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash classicjrex. If you'd like to... Uh, help us out by reviewing us, please do. Whether I thought you were going to ask for money. Just send us money. I mean, you could do that too. That would be really wonderful. Um, but whatever service you happen to find us on, whether that's through a podcast service or an online uh, musical podcast service or a streaming service, I can't say specifics what <laughs> because there are numerous ones now and I can't, I'm can't. i not allowed to actually uh, point out specific ones. But if you'd like to review us wherever you found us, that'd be great. Uh, and share us. Tell people about us. That helps a lot. Um, next week... We will be back to discuss Master of None Season 1, which has been a long time coming. It um, has, yeah. Uh, ever since Louie. I ever since suffered Louis. through Season 4 of Louie or whatever it was. Season 5, I five think it was. Five of Louie, yeah. I might have been 4 too, actually. You're right, yeah. 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 You were That was really tainted your feeling of that show. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about uh, Master of None. Me too. So look forward to that next week, everybody. Until then, thank you very much for listening. See you later. Bye. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. EarbudsNetwork.com.